to Hunting Pixels, the one and only official video game podcast of Culture Pop. We have, boy, we have a show for you today. Our topic of the show, aka what this entire episode is, because we don't have media or video games to discuss, is, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing our game of the year. That's right. Sort of. Kind of. We're going to be doing the uh, day one of Game of the Year. So, the first day of Game of the Year is our category show. So, we will be talking all about and giving out awards for different categories um, that have uh, kind of gripped us throughout the year. I am, of course, your host, the one and only Bebop Ant, Josh McMullen, and I am joined as almost always by my two co-hosts, Dylan Dickin' Through the Ditches, Martin, and Austin Burning Through the Witches, Stevens. I read that earlier, and it made me laugh, <laughs> and I just want to know why. I feel like that's one of the more tame ones of the recent months. Oh, for sure. 100%. 100%. You're you are one hundred percent correct on that. I came in like twenty minutes ago and I was like, "Oh shit, I've not touched that part." Um, <laughs> it was still the same as last year, for some reason. Mm, yeah, weird. <laughs> it's almost as if um, copy and paste. I don't... <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> It's almost as if I am incredibly busy all the time and don't have time to do it. No. Um, no. No, that can't. That's mm-mm, mm-mm. There's no way that you that's all possible. all the time in the world. You don't even have a job. Truly. I have no job. That is... No family, nothing. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so... Uh, how you boys? How you boys doing? <laughs> Are you ready for this? <clears throat> I'm, I, yes. I'm excited. Sure. Feeling dandy. Feeling all kinds of dandy. All kinds of dandy. Dude, your dog's cute as shit. Oh, yeah? That picture that you uploaded, I saw that, and I was like, he is handsome. Like, you don't just, you know, you see a dog, and you're like, that dog's really cute. Your dog, I looked at it, and I was like, god damn. Had the smolder going. It's a handsome dog. Yeah. He's a he's a pretty little boy. What's the name? Uh, Milo. Milo, fucking love that. Yep, he's a he's a good boy. He's a fucking handful, but he's a good boy. Yeah. How old is he? Uh, I think he just turned nine months. Oh damn. Yeah. Handsome so at nine he months. Is, I like it. He's a little baby boy. He's your little baby. Yep. Thing that I never wanted. That's <laughs> how it happens with kids. Truly, I'm I'm glad that Austin has just steered clear of this conversation. Uh, it's just because I don't like dogs. I don't have anything to contribute. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I don't like dogs. Your dog's cute, though. I like other people's dogs. I would just never own one. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid Fuck you that. be protected. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure, that's what they do. Well, mine just kind of, like, sits there and, like, is like, hey, can you pet me? Hey, can you pet me? 
Hey, I know that you're working and shit, but can you possibly just put your hand on me and just leave it there? Some dogs are great protector dogs. Josh's dog, he's not going to protect shit. Yeah, no. He's he's just going to lay there and hope the intruder pets him. Truly, that's, yeah. It's like, once you get to know mine, they're fine. But if you walk into this house, it will be known about. (laughs) I have three Well, yeah, I guess they could just, like, bark and shit. No. They're three working breed dogs, so. One of them's a German Shepherd, too. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, you have three dogs now? God damn. I didn't even know you had three. I do. Oh, I shit. have the He's got two of the blue. Dog, yep. And then I have a Australian Shepherd healer mix, and then I have the German Shepherd. However, I will give you that one of them is deaf, so you can get away with a lot with that one. <laughs> one of them is blind also, right? Nope. That's not a thing at all, actually. <laughs> Just give me all the handicaps. I also thought one of them was nope. blind. I thought you had said <laughs> that once not. before. Definitely not. <laughs> Yes, no, yeah. I, I think so. You only I have one that's handicapped. That. I swear to God, I thought you had two. Nope, definitely just the one that's deaf. The other ones Holy work shit. just fine. I am, I am almost a thousand percent positive that I, I made that up. Yep. And it just became like a thing. I swear to God, it happened in my Twitch chat too. It's like, yeah, I brought it on stream or something, and you're like, "Is that the blind dog?" <laughs> Jesus no. Christ. It's just death. <laughs> and then the Twitch chat's like, oh, it's blind. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's like, nope, it's deaf. Nope. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a deaf boy. <laughs> Holy Lord. That's good stuff, man. Oh okay. Well, now that we're done talking about deaf and blind dogs. Yep. Um we should, I guess, probably get into the the meat of the show. So, all right. Every t- every year, every year, it gets this time. And everyone starts putting out their Game of the Year list and their nominees and their winners. And look, we're no different. All right. We're, we're just doing everything that everybody else already does. So, uh, in the interest... Of giving you smaller, more digestible episodes, though, we've broken this out into three things. Uh, And obviously, as I said before, this week's episode will be in service of the various awards that we've decided to give out that are not Game of the Year. Uh, This will include a multitude of uh, different awards, including Best Character, Best Music, and Biggest Shit Show. Uh, so to be nominated for this, um, or for these categories, your game had to have come out between December 16th of 2021 and December 15th of 2022. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into the nitty gritty. All right. Uh, best supporting character will be our first category. Last year's winner was Kit from Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. Our nominees this year are Lim and Mina from Citizen Sleeper, Bliss from Citizen Sleeper, Nimona from Pokemon Scarlet slash Violet, B12 from Stray, and The Other from Immortality. Um, 
I don't know. We, we don't really need to, or we don't really cut these things, but I think we should probably, I mean, maybe we should like narrow it down to like the uh, top one or two or a top, top two or three. And then, and then kind of decide. Um, so I, I think my argument for leaving the other off of the, out of, out of the top two or three would be that I am the only one who has played Immortality. Um, so I think that it would be uh, unfair, maybe, to give the award to um, to that character in particular. Uh, so do you guys have any any problems with not giving the award to the other? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think that either of you would, but I just wanted to. Um, I think that the other is a very good character in that. Part part of the reason I I like the other is because the other is kind of the antagonist, but is also, in a weird way, kind of like a hero, in in, in a sense, and is really like a very nice foil to the um uh the other character in the game that we'll get back to uh near the end um it's one of our last categories there uh but i i don't think that i like him slash it more than i like the other ones on this list and again i'm i'm the only one who's played so um, I feel completely comfortable with uh, that. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> the hard thing is going from this. I I don't want to. I the only other one that I wouldn't even want to consider is Nimona. <laughs> But I know that Austin loves her. I do love her. <clears throat> she was such a great character. She, like... She had to at least be nominated because, like, I, I have to give Game Freak credit for giving us a rival that actually made me give a shit about her this time. Mm, yeah. I mean, she had a lot of depth to her. She was my uh, choice for this one. I feel like this is the first time that I've actually thoroughly enjoyed a rival in a Pokemon game since fuck gold and silver I mean I wasn't a fan of like Barry's personality but I like the challenge that he brought I guess and he was truly one of the last few that did bring a lot of challenge um, yeah for sure this might be the first one in I mean well over a decade I can say that um, she I just really liked how she she saw the potential in you and then from the you know those beginning steps she encouraged you to go further she encouraged you to seek your true potential in whatever it may be within the game but then you know ultimately you do complete the victory road challenge you 
beat the gyms, you beat the Elite Four, and you beat the champion. But even after that, that's when you face her. And it's like, okay, this is what I've been working towards. And, like, she finally has someone that she's on equal grounds with. And you can see the passion in her eyes. Like, that's why she pushed you so hard is because she knew you could do it. <clears throat> you ultimately wind up beating her, and she's not discouraged in the least she's more fueled than ever to go further and it pushes her to become stronger and man i loved everything about her in uh in scarlet and violet um josh you you played it thoroughly man like you played it all throughout the game or like all the way through beat the story like what did you think of her uh i mean i i like her as a character I am not nearly as enthralled with her as you two are. Uh, and I think, I, I think given how I see Pokemon games, uh, maybe I am a little bit, perhaps too, too biased. Uh, because I kind of like... I, I do agree with you guys that, like, I, I think that she's a good character, and I, I like her ambition, and I like that, like, she pushes you forward, not just in a, like, uh, not in just a, like, I want to beat this person because they're mean to me kind of way, but, like, it really pushes you forward because, like, they want to see you succeed, and I really mm. like that, um... My only, my only thing is, I feel like, not necessarily her by herself, but like, when you consider her alongside the story of the game, it's very, I don't want to say childish, it just sounds mean, but like, it's very not the way that I see the other four or other three characters that are, are currently mm -hmm. nominees. You know what I mean? Yeah. I gotcha. I can understand that. Like I, <clears throat> I don't, I don't hate her and or anything like that. I just, I feel like I felt more with the end of Lim and Mina and Bliss's storylines and not necessarily what they did for me, but like how I felt about them as characters and where their journey went more than I ever cared about, like what was going on with Nimona at any given time. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So that being said, we, we, I guess go ahead and take Nimona out of contention. Because I'm willing to, you know, lay down my cards on that, too. Strictly for the fact that you and I both also looked at B12 from Stray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when... Oh, man. Stray took me on a ride this year, dude. And it was mostly because of B12. <laughs> it, it really... I mean, the cat was cute and all, but this was B12's story, really. And yeah. all along, the, I, I, I really, I don't know if you would agree. I'm trying not to spoil too much because I think it's still like well within the year. People can get to this. They can play it. I don't want to spoil too much about it 
but I didn't expect the little robot companion that I picked up along the way. Like, I thought he was going to be an accessory, and it turns out, like, that's where all of my emotion went. And it was an incredible story, and it was all because of B12. So, how do you feel about B12 in comparison to you? See, I didn't play Citizen Sleeper, but I know where this stands for you this year. So, speak yeah. to me on that. <clears throat> uh, so... I think that the most appealing thing about Stray is its story. I like, like, the gameplay of it for sure, but, like, I was enthralled with the story that it was telling. And so to that end, um, B12, I think, is a very fitting could could potentially be a very fitting choice for this category. Um, I, at the end of the game, felt very uh, emotionally attached to him. Um, I just... My only... My only... Th- Mm-hmm. I, oh God, that's, it's hard. I, I don't really have a knock against him. I, I think that if I had to, to say anything, it would just be like, I, I remember the stuff from Citizen Sleeper very vividly. Some, I don't know, four months later um i don't like there's their stories the stuff that happened in that game with these characters in specific has stuck with me for that long whereas the stuff that had happened with stray and b12 and all of that stuff it it hasn't necessarily stayed with me less but i don't when I look back at like the games that I thought about this year, the the stuff that like ha- has genuinely like I remember with like very fond memories and very much like a oh yeah I played that game this year this was amazing or whatever B twelve doesn't really conjure that image for me. Does that make sense? I don't really have a knock against them. It's just it's more so that like. I have much more fond memories of the other characters. And that makes sense. I mean, again, it's not you necessarily knocking Nimona. It's not you knocking B12. You're saying that between the five choices that we have, two of these stood out substantially on like an emotional level, and it stuck with you. That being said, I'm okay with also kind of putting B12 on the back burner and letting you take full control because it's like between Bliss and Lim and Mina, something happened in this game to make it stand out so strongly to you this year. So to me, this is your category. So who is your standout between those two? That's that's maybe the toughest one of all. I, I, what I was actually going to say is I, I kind of think that we should maybe go with with either B12 or Nimona simply because 
I don't know if I could choose between. Re really, honestly, if it had been left up to me, like every single one of the characters in this category would have come from Citizen Sleeper. I yeah. think the game is just it, it is impeccably written, and and the characters that I met and you know talked with and everything in that game were superb. Um, what I will say though is <sighs> Lemon Mina's storyline and how they kind of show you without really showing you like like with without it being in your face and super ham fisted and and just kind of like screaming in your face. I feel like Lemon Mina's story is such a very wonderful look at kind of like how hyper-capitalist societies kind of ruin things for people. Like literally in the story, Lim and his daughter, Mina, are fighting for, like, tooth and nail for everything that they get, right? And Lim has to constantly leave his daughter behind at work so that then he can go and buy, like, scraps for her so that then they can eat at night. And it's, like, such a shitty existence. And then, so you've got that part of the story but then by the end I was so caught up with them as characters and everything that like their their dream or, or Lim's dream in particular is to win a lottery that the the mining company that he's working for um, is giving way to send him on a uh, on out of the, the sort of space station that you're on the entire game and to a, a place that is su supposed to be not whether or not it actually is, um, you know, that's a whole different story, but like, it's supposed to be a better fit. Like, or like it, it's supposed to give him a better life and it's supposed to give his daughter a better life. And so he wants it more than anything. And he's willing to like, sacrifice everything to to get it and at one point i made a decision to follow a different storyline and it ended up locking him out of being able to do that and it made me so so fucking sad and devastated because i had fucked someone over and i i was like no i didn't want to do that like i didn't want to like I didn't want to hurt this person. I didn't want to like ruin their life, even though I, that's kind of what I did. Like, and by the end of it, I actually got to a spot where I was able to get a ticket that allowed me to give it to Lim. And he was able to get off the planet with his daughter and they were able to go and potentially have that better life together. And that just, 
I remember kind of sobbing when they left the game because I was like, I'm so glad that I was able to help those people to potentially, you know, obviously it's not a given, but, but to potentially have a better life and for her to grow up without having to want for something. And that shit just touched me in such a way that like, I'm like tearing up thinking about it. Yeah. But it's like, just one of those feel good moments where it's like the, it touched you on a level to where it made you feel like you were, you, that was a genuine, like good choice. It was something that you truly did. Like it made you feel like you've made a difference. Yeah, exactly. That's incredible. That's and awesome. I, I feel, I feel the same exact way about bliss. Like I fell in love with her almost immediately. Like I think she has such a, like a wonderful design. Like she's this little, like her her character art is like she's this little like astronaut girl with glasses and like a shaved head and she's got like this this smile that's very kind of like you wouldn't know it without having played the game or anything like that uh but like her smile is very deceptive like she's putting on a happy face because she uh, much like Lim doesn't want to be in the position that she's in and wants very much so to like have a life where she's not having to have literally everything go wrong for her all the time. And I, I just, not only was I immediately like in love with her because of her design, but like I played that game and there are, I think up to seven potential uh, endings that I, I, I played it and I was like, okay, I want to, I want to help everybody that I possibly can and blah, blah, blah. But like w- the second that I started going down her storyline and was learning about her struggles of like having people fuck her over constantly with, with the work that she's trying to do. Cause she's a, um, like a, a scrapper. Uh, so she like basically breaks down ships and then sells the parts off to, uh, other people who can use those parts and people would fuck her over with like either not giving her the, the ship parts that she was supposed to scrap and, and kind of stiffing her or just like being like, okay, so you're supposed to, um, you're supposed to be doing this for me. Right. And then not giving her the pay that they had uh, previously agreed upon. And it was, one of the things where again, I was just like, I was immediately like, I want to help this person. And by the end of it, I was able to help her find the courage that she needed to stick up for herself and to be like, Hey, this isn't cool that you're stiffing me on this. I want my money and I'm going to use this money to get off this shitty space station to go find a, better life doing the things that I love. And it just, again, it it was something that just really, really kind of touched me. And I, I, I immediately made the choice. I was like, I, I want to see her ending. She's, she's the person that I want to, I want to end this game with. And I, and I made it happen. Um, I don't know. It just, I love both of those or technically I guess Lim and Mina are two separate characters, but 
Um, I loved both of their stories very much, and and that's why I think that they are more than deserving of the of the character uh, of the slot. But choosing between the two of them is incredibly difficult, and I'm the only one who played it. I feel like I should maybe make a concession here, and I think we should maybe go with either B12 or Nomona. Okay. Okay. I if you guys if you guys want to give me this one, I'm totally okay with it. I will be happy to try to choose one. I think that with me, I'm okay with you taking the category because it's like my my arguments for B12 and Nimona, I made them right and you played the game and you understand those and you uh, you agree with those points but you still played a game this year that went above and beyond all of that to the point where it's still too like right now it gives you an emotional response when you recant those memories or you know when you retell those memories i'm sorry so Mm -hmm. i feel like you should take the category and you gotta you gotta do the hard thing though and you gotta pick between the two i agree with dylan Um, I also didn't submit anything for this category. I feel like I don't get to say whether you can or not. <laughs> oh, you, you you would have put Nimona in had I not put it in for you. Yeah, whatever. Shut up and pick. Oh, all right. Oh, man. Going right for he, it. He's not um, had milk in 24 hours. He's not doing good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having withdrawals. Uh... <laughs> I, I think that this probably deserves to go to Lemon Mina. Okay. Okay. For sure. So we'll um Yeah, we'll give it to them and we'll I guess we'll move on. There we go. This guy I had big shoes to fill trying to go up against Kit from last year. Right? Yeah. Uh okay. Well here we are. Best multiplayer ongoing game. Um, last year's winner was Dead by Daylight. This year's nominees are Dead by Daylight again, Final Fantasy XIV, Evil Dead the Game, Overwatch 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, and Fortnite. Um, we just going to make this an easy one and all say Modern Warfare 2? So, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I put Fortnite on here for a reason. I, like everyone's like, gasp, what? Pikachu meme right now? I put. See, Fortnite. I thought it was. I thought it was fucking Austin who did that because I remember you hating Fortnite. Yep. I'm very angry at Fortnite right now. I, there is no way it would have been me. He's angry because of a skin discrepancy, but <laughs> dude, those models look so fucking bad. They look so terrible. Never I, that, mind uh, the My Hero debacle. I don't even mean that. I mean the rest of them that came out with them. Oh, okay. Well, never mind that. I have, like, I tell you guys, if I'm going to play a Battle Royale game, I'm just going to go play Apex or I'm going to play Warzone. Like, I don't want to worry about having to build a mansion in the midst of me, like, in the last final three. And then all of a sudden I pop off a bullet on someone and all of a sudden they're, you know, 10 stories up above me and shooting down at me. It's like that was never fun to me. Like, it was so stressful and anxiety inducing. It's It was just always like. I'm going to go the other way. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll yeah. go play something else. 
this year, Fortnite introduced the no-build mode, which was awesome. And on top of that, just recently, they did a graphical overhaul to where they're now completely uh, taking advantage of, like, ray tracing and all this shit. And it's beautiful. <laughs> like, it is so fun to just play the game and look at how lush and vibrant everything is around you. It doesn't matter if you're getting popped off that like it's you're dying and it's beautiful. It's like you're it's like you're in heaven already. You know what I mean? <laughs> um but the the no build mode was right up my alley, dude. Like it feels finally like I can play the game that I wanted to play and I don't have to worry about anything. And I know I I'm a part of a very I don't know if it's a small group or not. I feel like it's most people play for, like I played Fortnite in the early days. But the building just got too much for me. But I feel like yeah. if you're still playing Fortnite, you probably like that. So I feel like I'm in a small group by saying that it's like a better game without the building. Um, but it, it's the game for me. So that's why I put it on here. Um, I also put that on here before I got my hands on Modern Warfare 2. And that, that changed a lot. Um, Overwatch 2 I put on here, of course, or, or I would have put on here. Um, it's still Overwatch. There's just a lot more microtransactions now, so can't really say much <laughs> about that. Um, got a battle pass, oh. so that's, that's neat. Um, but it has been a lot of fun. Like We've played a lot of community game nights with it. Um, it's really nice kicking back with Jeff and you know Mama Crunky over there and everything like that. Justin popped in. Um, but I am telling you, dude, Modern Warfare 2, over the past however long I've had COVID, up until today, whew, let me tell you, I, I was reliving those good old COD days when I was a angsty teenager and I was just no life in the shit out of this game. I relived that while I was quarantined to this house. And I just played a shit ton of Modern Warfare 2. And I'm telling you, man, I fell in love with it. I haven't touched the campaign. Saving that for the coming year. I only wanted to dive into the multiplayer. And I'm telling you, I have not felt this way with a COD in a long time. Um, I think I played Vanguard a little bit. And I know I played Cold War. And playing both of those games, I did not feel like I feel with Modern Warfare 2. Like... The map design is incredible. The sound design is awesome. The gun customization is wonderful to delve into. Um, I feel like there's a lot going on with multiplayer. I love the maps. Um, it's, it's just, it's a feel-good time, man. And I know it's like, I, that's the problem. Is that I've, I hate that I'm saying it's just another Call of Duty. Because in truth, it is. It's just one that's connected with me the most mm -hmm. out of the past few and it, it's been a lot of fun man but all that said you played evil dead this year and that's and final fantasy 14 and i saw those two on here and i'm like this is not gonna be good <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah i, I feel like you put too many hours into final fantasy 14 to let that go without a fight. <laughs> yeah honestly okay so here's all right here are here are my thoughts Dead by Daylight is has quickly moved into one of my favorite games of all time. Um, probably this year, it it started to move into like maybe my top ten favorite games. 
Um, not saying it's the best, but like I, with the exception of now that Pokemon has come out because there is a new thing that has just like grabbed my attention. Uh, I played Dead by Daylight all year long, and I loved it all year long. It won last year though. I don't necessarily think it should go. Or, or I don't necessarily think that it should win. Uh, not necessarily, and I also should probably say, I don't think that it should necessarily lose just because it won last year, but... Uh, I think it should I give everything else a little bit more of a fighting chance. It, yeah, exactly. All right, I um, see what you're saying. Yeah. Evil Dead, I think, is a really, really incredible counterpunch to Dead by Daylight. I think that the stuff that I don't like about DBD, Evil Dead does way better. And, like, it doesn't have those problems. Like, my my knock against this game in particular with winning the category is that the content feed for it kind of fell off relatively quickly. Like, they, they gave us uh, a new map, I think, about a month after release, maybe two months after release. And then it was another two months before we got any additional characters. Like, I think it was October when we finally got um, the Friday, or not Friday, uh, the um, Evil Dead 2013 characters added to the game. Um, and that had been... A, the game came out in May and it was October. So yeah, I think that was like four or five months with dead by daylight. Like everything is like pretty consistent. Like it's roughly every three months, there's a new rift and the rift lasts for almost that entire time. And in between those, they're like mid, uh, I think it's, I think they call them like mid chapter stories. So there's something always going on. My knock against dead or against evil dead. The game is that, Nothing happened. They gave us one new map, and then they gave us two new characters five months after launch. So, like, I love the game. I think that it's really, really fun to play. Um, but I I need them to add more stuff before I can feel comfortable saying, this is a really good game that we can keep on going. <sighs> Final Fantasy fourteen is a game that I am going to continue playing the rest of my life. Um, my argument is that I do not like MMOs. I love this fucking game. I, I fucking love this game. Like, from the characters to the combat. Like, and, th I mean, that right there alone, like, I, I have tried WoW. None of the characters ever grabbed me the way that the characters in... Final Fantasy 14 did. The combat is very MMO. Like it's it's you know you have your keybinds, you have your uh, separate rows of abilities, and you you need to learn all of the rotations that you need to do. Like it's very MMO, but like I just never grasped it with with WoW or with Neverwinter Nights. I got it here, I, and, and I don't know if it was just like I needed the Final Fantasy sort of trappings, you know, the chocobos and like the moggles and stuff like that. I don't I don't know if I needed that in order to to bring me on, but whatever the secret sauce is, Final Fantasy 14 was like 
okay, here you go. You're threatening to have Josh never complete the challenge. Yeah, like, that was scary. <laughs> so, I don't know. My my personal vote would be for Final Fantasy fourteen. I think. I think it would be easy for me to say no to Evil Dead, Overwatch 2, and Fortnite. It would be harder for me to choose between Final Fantasy and Call of Duty. Uh, everything you said about Call of Duty is right. Call, th- this is one of the most fun Call of Duties I've played in fucking years. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, when it first came out and I was playing like just the multiplayer before I even touched the campaign... When I was playing multiplayer, it was like the only thing I wanted to fucking play. It scratched the itch that I had. Yeah. I have fallen off of it since then, and I have tried to go back a couple of times, and I feel like my skills have diminished, so I don't want to play it. <laughs> but that doesn't take or that doesn't like take away from the fact that it is excellent, and I'm totally okay with giving it to Call of Duty. I mean, here, here on that. Yeah, I agree. Right. Um, I I fucking love the last Modern Warfare. Uh, I've always leaned more into the Modern Warfare games from COD. Um, and like you said, this scratched an itch that I didn't even know I had. I didn't even know I was going to get this game. But Same. a certain sweetheart made it so. Uh-oh. I don't know who that is, but I feel like it's still in it. I don't like, like that. Weird. <laughs> I don't know. The world will never know, I guess. Yep. Hey, Call of Duty. Weird. Yay. Good job, Activision, for being pieces of shit, but also giving us a really great game. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, Let's move on to Best Art Direction. Last year's winner was Solar Ash. This year's nominees are Stray, Elden Ring, Neon White, High on Life, and Digimon Survive. Yeah. Elden Ring? <laughs> I mean, yeah. That, that, like, okay. Here's the thing. I haven't played High on Life, uh, and I've played very little of Digimon Survive, so I don't know what what those entail. Same with Neon White, actually. I, I just, I haven't played that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have played Stray and Elden Ring, and I think both of those games are beautiful. Um, my... My argument for letting Elden Ring win is Elden Ring is way more varied and has. I, I I don't think it's necessarily more pretty than Stray, but there are more things that I am in awe of in Elden Ring than I am in Stray. Truly, I mean, yeah. absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. just the. I think that Radon fight's one of the most beautifully cinematic fights. And that's where the, even though it's like a really bleak landscape, like the art direction there shines through to me from his design to the, you know, just barren wasteland. But then everything around you is just this blood red. Oh, my God. It it is an iconic fight. But like you said, I mean, it just goes beyond that. I mean, it everywhere that you travel that's new in that game is just something new, like in, in terms of spectacle. Um it's fucking beautiful. I my only argument was, of course, going to be neon white, but I am, yeah. as of right now, the only one that's played it. Mm-hmm. This it's a really pretty game. It's very simple, but 
um, from the persona style, like pop-up conversations that are happening that, you know, the overall anime style artwork, it's really pretty. I love everything about it, but then the world design itself. Oh my God. Like it's simplistic, but I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like truly almost, I mean, I guess the best way to put it, it's like 3d anime in a, in a way it's just, you know, not in a cell shaded way, but it's it's very simplistic like the worlds are just meant to be sped through so there's not too much to look at but if you do take the time like it just it's fucking vibrant man i mean i i i go back to that word but from the early levels all the way to the late end game like every new chapter that you're doing every new day you're in a new place and it's just mesmerizing the things that you can see um I really hope that both of you get to this game eventually. I think that if it... I don't know if it would have won Game of the Year this year, but I think it would have ranked highly on both of your lists had you had the time for it. Um, I give full credit to Justin on this one. He is the one that highly recommended it. I knew of it. Looked neat wasn't dying to get to it but when i did man it sank its clutches into me i mm-hmm. loved it oh my god great game. i still plan to get it. on to it before before the uh game of the year proper episode yeah <clears throat> that's i mean i'm glad it's it's so much fun and it's really like i said it's simplistic it's made speed running levels but it's like it it brings and especially you and knowing the kind of person you are, it brings the perfectionist out of you. Oh, and it's it's addicting. That scares me. <laughs> yes, it's 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 time trials and about how fluid and smooth you can go through these levels, and you can get ranked like silver, gold, and then like ace. And of course, you're going for those ace and golds because that's the only way you can increase your rank. So it's it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna give you a run for its money, I think. Mm-hmm. I I mean I'm obviously going to also put my vote on Elden Ring um, because just like what you guys said about it uh, at, at, even for being a, a bleak and dark world that's deadly at literally every given fucking corner um, it still manages to, to be stunning and just capture your imagination throughout your the entire time, uh, the, your entire journey through it. Um, I put Digimon Survive on here because I genuinely think that the art in that game is beautiful. Um, I also the feel like it stuff for has sure to be. is. Yeah, yeah, the fucking the 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 dungeon stuff, not so much, but the hand drawn stuff looks incredible from uh, from the environments to the characters themselves and their aesthetics. Um, but I kind of feel like it has to be given it's a visual novel. Like you're spending over 75% of your time looking at these still images and these still characters. Um, but I think it's some of the best Digimon has looked in a really, really long time. Uh, and I just, I just thought it was wonderful. Um, the only, the only other one on here was high on life, which Austin and I have recently played and, I don't think it's groundbreaking, you know what I mean? No. But it was yeah. it was a lot of fun. I wanted to throw it on here for like an honorable mention just because, th- I mean, 
the world's pop, dude. I mean, you yeah, can say do. what you want about the humor and what the game's trying to deliver, but uh, um, on a visual stand, like it looks really good through all the levels that I've you know traversed through so far, um, and I loved it. I mean, it, it's it's pretty stunning if you ask me. Yeah. Heck yeah. But yeah, Elden Ring for sure. Okay, cool. The right. first of many. <laughs> uh, surely. All right. Well, um, let's uh, move on to uh, our patron decided category. Uh, this is a new award, so there was no. Oh wait. No, we. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I was like, wait, we didn't just do our direction, but yes, yes, we did. Okay. Oops. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, this is a new award, so no winner last year. Our patrons decided on it, um, and it is the biggest surprise. Um, I thought that maybe it would be a good idea for all three of us to do it, but then I was like, no, I think we should still do it this way. So. Um, our nominees are Elden Ring, Cult of the Lamb, Sonic Frontiers, Pokemon Scarlet slash Violet, and Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, Cult of the Lamb I put on here because, not necessarily because I thought it was going to be, um, uh, not necessarily because I thought it, or, or I didn't know anything about it because I was the one who actually introduced it to you guys and was like, oh, this looks really fucking cool. But more so, that like, it was something that you guys played that I guess I turned you on to and you guys were kind of, like, both immediately addicted to it. Yeah. So, like, it, it, it made sense to me to put to put it on on this, this list. Mm-hmm. Um... Elden Ring is kind of the same way. I think me and Dylan were both were both kind of like, oh, we we know what it is. We're going to play this type thing, and then it ended up being you completed your first Souls game, right? I did. Awesome. I did so do I don't know. I I figured that it needed to be on here, but um, tell me a little bit about uh, Sonic Frontiers. So I put Sonic Frontiers on here. I I was very interested in it from the moment that they unveiled it because it was kind of almost immediately like, oh, okay, so this is going to be Sonic's Breath of the Wild, essentially. Um, even like in the all the in the very first trailer that we got, even the music in the background sounded like it belonged to Breath of the Wild. Um, the only reason I picked this up was because I, I, it just happened to be on sale at Target, and I was given a $50 gift card uh, to Target from work. So I was like, eh, fuck it. I, like, I, they don't have anything else, uh, any other games or anything that I'm really wanting. So I picked it up, and I gave it a try, and like, this is the best Sonic has felt since Sonic Adventure. This is the best 3D Sonic game since the Dreamcast era. And like that just... I never thought that I would say that. Um, it, it's kept me on my toes every fucking second uh, that I've been playing it. And I've been playing it nonstop since last night. Um, there's it, it, it does a lot to kind of give it its own identity. 
um, through having a bunch... Like, the gameplay is not what a traditional Sonic game would be, but then it also still manages to sprinkle in uh, little little mixes of, of what made 3D Sonic so fun in the first place. And I, I was just very blown away by it, and it is quickly becoming one of my favorite games this year. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, the last two, I think, are... Legends Arceus, I think, is a less obvious pick. Um, because I think that both of you kind of had uh, relatively high hopes about it. Um, mm. But I think I think the winner is very clearly Pokemon Scarlet slash Violet, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that both of you, the closer it got to launch, were getting more and more skeptical of it. Oh, yes. And I, oh, and I was like, I don't fucking fuck with Pokemon. I am never going to fuck with Pokemon. <laughs> and now it's like probably behind Final Fantasy fourteen, Elden Ring, and Dead by Daylight, my most played game this year. Yep. Damn. Which says a lot if you listen to that list. Honestly. So, so I mean, I yeah. agree. It it was a huge shock to me, but I was talking to Austin last night, and yeah, it's it it surpassed our expectations, sure. But what we were most shocked about is that you are still playing this game. That Honestly. is what got us. Is that I'm surprised you finished it. You finished it, I, you're, I but you're too, still man. going. But that's what we were talking about. It's not like hey. He played the game. He's done. Now mm. you're a fucking breeder, and you're going for perfect IVs, <laughs> and you're maxing out levels, and you're plotting where the best EXP farms are. Like, what is this that's happened? Because we don't know what to think right now. It's <laughs> where's Josh, and what did you do? Yes, it's the Stockholm yeah. syndrome is real, but at the end of the day, the game is riddled with problems. It truly is, but it's also mm -hmm. some of the most fun a Pokemon game has been, and it shows in the fact that you're so enamored with the game. Yep. Uh, I mean, I I have 100% said it before, and I'll, I, I will probably 100% say it again. Uh, this is the most fun I've had playing a Pokemon game since probably Gold and Silver. That says a lot, guys. Yeah, honestly. The history of this Holy podcast shit. shows that that sentence should have never been said. No. Yeah. That's 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 incredible to me. That's fucking awesome. That's deserving of the win in itself. Yeah, yeah. honestly. I I am right there with you. Right. All right. Game of the year. Settled. So, yep. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. So, that is going to be our winner. Oh, I didn't hit bold. Damn it. All right. So now we should take a little bit of a break for just a second to do what we did last year. Woo! Uh, so last year we gave our patrons uh, the chance to kind of speak their minds on game of the year. And so we're going to do that again this year. And I'm going to do a little bit of math and on our Game of the Year episode, which is coming in a couple of weeks, uh, we will have a patron-decided Game of the Year. So, uh, we're going to start this list off with Miss Crumkey, Miss Lisa. Uh, she gave us her top five, 
and her f- top five is really funny because technically they did all release this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> technically. Um, but yeah, so her number five is Persona 5 Royal for the Xbox, which, again, technically released this year. <laughs> uh, but she's, she said that she put it at number five because she's created created a character and I haven't started anything yet and can't really judge the game but she has high hopes for it yeah. <laughs> she said she was shocked she even uh got to play five games this year or that she had yeah. five games so this one counts yeah it does uh Word number choice. four is overwatch 2 uh she said i loved overwatch it's my most played game with hundreds of hours sunk into it that being said, Overwatch 2 is Overwatch 1, just with all the same bugs and issues. <laughs> I'll give it another chance when the PvE finally comes out, but I haven't been impressed. And don't get me started on the Battle Pass. I 100% Damn. agree with her there. Uh, number three, Somerville, a game that is on my list that I am just never going to get around to because of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she said, a quick, fine game. The studio's co-founder, Dino uh, Petit, I believe, Previously co-founded Playdead, which is why I was excited about this game. Uh, worked on Limbo and Inside as executive producer on both games. If you like those, you'll probably like this one. Take maybe it took maybe five hours to complete? Question mark. Uh, number two, TMNT: Shredder's Revenge. This game brought back so many childhood memories. The combat is basic but still feels great, and being able to play co-op is just plain fun. All I needed was. The sound of the arcade in the background, and I'd be right back in my childhood. And number one, oh yeah, Cyberpunk, uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. She put twenty twenty two. What are you doing here, Lisa? That's when it came out. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, for the Xbox Series X, um, she said yes. The game came out this year for current gen. <laughs> I she said, I'm counting it. I love this game and cannot wait for the DLC. The storyline is fantastic. The shooting is great. Just about everything I loved with this game. So, thank great you. Th- yeah. I, I don't know if that's a great choice or not, but yes. Uh, thank you for participating, Lisa. Um, we enjoy your company in the Discord and on on the Patreon. Um, Community yeah. game nights community game nights yeah. yeah all that stuff so thank you for taking part um okay let's move on uh best level slash world design last year's winner was forza horizon 5 this year's nominees are elden ring neon white high on life power wash simulator and nobody saves the world um Ooh. i think this is an easy one right son of a bitch yeah. <laughs> All right, tell me about Power Neon Washington White. Right? T- so, tell I me mean, about it, it, it. It starts off basic, and it keeps the same basic concept all throughout the game. You have to make it from point A to point B. There's So let me preface this by saying that each new chapter is like a new day, and you have to go out into the world, and you play different levels of this chapter there's about 10 levels per chapter so it starts off really simple and like i said it's it's a point a to point b system and you make it there as fast as possible but while doing so you're also picking up these cards the cards are in turn weapons 
and the weapons you can obviously shoot, but more importantly, they have abilities, and those abilities get you through the map faster. Um, so it's all about chaining and trying to find the best way to get through the levels with these cards while taking the right path, but it's much more than just a point A to point B game because all along the way, the levels are designed to hinder you, but they're all different. Like there's, a, I don't know the number for sure, but I think there's a hundred plus levels in the game easily, and each one, dude, like, it kept happening to me, I'll be honest with you. Like, I would make it a little bit, uh, like, you know, of a good ways through the game, and then I would be like, oh my god, this is my favorite level yet, like, this is perfect. And then I would go, like, five more levels, and I was like, oh my god, this is my favorite. It just kept happening, because I'm a person who likes fluidity in games. Like, I like being able to just kind of glide, essentially, like, because of how smooth something feels. I, th I feel like I've said this a lot about what I enjoy with games, that it's polished, it's fluid, and this does it so well with the level design. Like, it's meant to go as fast as possible, so you think it's going to be like a rocky, a rocky ride, but if you do it right, it's so much fun to traverse the different facets that these levels give you and like within the levels themselves there's different things that I guess can like make you go faster um and like th there's like w if you're ever on water it speeds you up and how they incorporate water to like look like a natural part of the level man it's just so good like with how much they did with the game I I get that Elden Ring is probably the right choice for this, but Neon White did so much good with their level design, dude. Um, it felt unique from point... If I say from point A to point B, meaning from the start to the end of the game. It just felt right, and it didn't feel repetitive or rushed. It just felt perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> I would expect that given given what the game is um i think all right listen power wash simulator is on here almost kind of like a joke but also but not a joke but also kind of not a joke i really i really like the variety of the levels in the game and there's like some crazy ass shit that happens where like i think at one point you go to the the moon and <laughs> you clean the lunar like lander um so I I actually genuinely did enjoy that. Um, Nobody saves the world is a Zelda game. Yeah, just <laughs> that's just what it is. Easy enough, and, and that and that speaks to me. Um, I haven't played High on Life, obviously, but like Neon White, I think would be the only one that would challenge Elden Ring personally mm. of the ones on this list. Yeah. I haven't played Neon White. That's that's my only knock against it, honestly. So yeah, same. And I agree. I mean, I'm all for giving it to Elden Ring because we've all three played it, and we agree that it's like, it's a beautiful world design. I mean, it's it's incredible to say the least. I mean, and how big the world truly is, dude. It's gigantic. It's and, gigantic. And like Massive. top Jesus and Christ. bottom because you have an underneath, and then you have different areas of the world you can fucking go to like the Halleck tree and then 
the little ancient dragon area, where the fuck it was called. Like, it's just goddamn massive, <laughs> and all of it is beautiful. So, I I think neon white is very unique. I think people absolutely need to try the game out, but Elden Ring takes this one. <clears throat> yep, uh, I think we are all in agreement there. GG. Well, we're almost all in agreement. Dylan really wants Neon White to win something. As long as Justin <laughs> knows I'm trying, man. Like, I, I just have to be the voice for it. I wish it was his voice, not mine. I feel like everyone probably wishes that. Yeah. I don't. Hey, thank. Well, you just don't like him, but. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I don't have anything against Justin. Okay. All right. Um. Next up, I don't know where our fifth nominee went on this one, so I guess we only have four. Uh, but best best boss fight uh, last year's Winia, Winia, yeah, last year's winner was Cynthia from Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Uh, the nominees this year are the one who waits from Cult of the Lamb, Melania from uh, Elden Ring, Margit from Elden Ring and Volo from Pokemon Legends Arceus. I think Morgot was on here, right? Morgot that- was, but but if we are all in agreement. <laughs> wow. I hate this. This is why it sucks because fuck, every boss could have been on here from Elden Ring. That's what sucks. Honestly. Yeah. And as much as I want Pokemon to take this category so it wins, tw- you know, 2 years running, I Margit was my choice, and I feel like I could have roped Morgot into that really easily because they are the same person, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Melania is such a good boss fight, dude. Like, mm-hmm. I... I wouldn't know. I want... So, the one who waits was my choice. Let me start off with this. Uh, I, I actually had that on my short list. I, I okay. put Elden Ring on here simply because... Like when when I told you guys earlier, I was like, I just put Elden Ring on there because I couldn't choose which of the boss fights I wanted to add. Um, and then I was thinking about the other boss fights that had really like, like I was like, which ones do I really remember and really, I really enjoyed them. And I was like, what about some of the bosses from Cult of the Lamb? And I was like, oh, what about the final boss from Cult of the yep. Lamb? And that's what kind of like, I was like, yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, we're good. It we're really do a lot of the bosses, even the second to last boss in Cult of the Lamb. I forget what it was, but it was incredibly hard. Um, I chose the one who waits because, I, honestly, when it comes down to best boss fight on a year where one of the best Souls game that's ever been released comes out, like it's just, don't even try. Like, that Souls game is going to... You can line 10 bosses down the list and not even have to worry about a potential other candidate. So, I feel like it absolutely needs to go to one of the Elden Ring bosses. But when I was like, well, let me try to think of a nominee. This is the one that popped up. Um, I didn't necessarily glide through Cult of the Lamb because I feel like there were a couple of hiccups along the way. Um, I definitely didn't, you know, just go through and never die. I did. Um, but specifically on the one who waits and it being like, what, a three phase boss fight, I believe. 
Like, you have the two bodyguards and then the one who waits himself, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then beyond that, I think there's actually another phase two. Um, it was... It was not... Like, that's where the game was, like... It kind of had that Dark Souls mentality. It's like, here, let's apply everything you've learned and let's step it up a little bit. And mm. I had such a good time with it. Um, it felt like a... I was frustrated as hell, I remember that. I think I went into it a little underpowered, if I'm being honest. Um, but it just felt it felt like a good conclusion to the end of the game. I don't know. I mean, it just... It had a very accomplishing feeling. I loved learning the mechanics of the fight. Like, that was one of the cool things about Cult of the Lamb in itself, is, like, all of the boss fights, you had to learn their patterns or you were going to get wrecked. And this one, like I said, it stepped it up. Um, Cult of the Lamb, I feel like, really underrated game this year. I really mm -hmm. wish more people got a chance to play it. But, like I said, well, I'm not going to speak off of, you know... Volo. Well, Austin, take that one. Yeah, I can do that. Um, I put Volo on here just because I he, he was incredibly fucking difficult for a Pokemon uh Pokemon boss. Uh, he is essentially kind of Legend Ar Legends Arceus's uh step in for Cynthia at I mean quite literally he is her fucking ancestor. He also uses a team that very much so mirrors her um, but another cool thing about Volo is he is the first, uh, he is the first Pokemon boss in the history of the entire franchise to technically battle you with eight Pokemon, making it a, not, not only a very hard fight, but kind of automatically from the get go, a very unfair fucking fight. And I, I don't know. I thought just because of the challenge, it at least, uh, deserved to, uh, be recognized with the category. It's, I, I, don't see it taking any boss from fucking Elden Ring, but it was worth a shot. Yeah, no, I think it was a, I think it was a really difficult fight, and like you said, they kind of stepped up the challenge a little bit with throwing an additional two god tier Pokemon at you within the fight. It's also itself. not like the combat in Legends Arceus made sense in the first place. No, no, that would have to make sense for a good boss fight candidate. But you know what did Elden Ring? So. Man, Margaret is definitely my choice for this, but what about you, Josh? How how you feeling? Uh I I mean, I think that you said it earlier. Any Elden Ring boss could have easily taken this category. Um which is why I just had Elden Ring as a nominee. Yeah. Um but I I I think I'm in agreement with you. I love that Melania fight I, and Beating Melania the very first time was probably was probably the most like accomplished I felt in the game, other than maybe you know actually having beaten it. Um, but a, a very very close second in that is Market because. I think I think a lot of people I know I for sure did this but I think a lot of people go into that fight thinking okay this is the first boss fight we we've fought in the uh asylum demon we have fought in um 
what was the uh the very first uh boss in Dark Souls one? Uh Vanguard, is that it? I think that's it, yeah. Um or you had uh uh Gun from Dark Souls three. Like you had all of these these bosses that were immediately like they weren't what you would say easy, but they were tutorial bosses. They were teaching you how to play the game, right? And I think not only does Market do that exceptionally, but on top of that, Market throws things your way that you should not be expecting from a starter boss. And it literally teaches you, like the thing that this, that Margaret teaches you is to expect the unexpected. Always. And I, I just, I think that that is, I, I don't know. I, I Not only was the fight really fucking cool in my opinion, but it was one of those, those f- boss fights where I was like, um... This is kind of incredible and kind of like one of the best things that like I've ever experienced in all of my time playing, you know, video games. Um, Melania has a lot going for her. I think that she's obviously the hardest boss in in Elden Ring. Um, I, I don't even think that that's really a controversial statement. Uh, but on top of that, um, she's, I, I, I love the, the, the cinematic going into her, into her fight where she kind of like gets out of her chair and is like, all right, I guess, I, I guess I'm doing this now type thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then her second phase is just so beautiful. It's so fucking pretty to look at. And I, I, I mean, I think that that obviously has some some um, merit to it and then uh, it's just a good fight it's just a really good fight um but i i think margaret top taps it out for me because i i think that margaret's fight in the broad sense teaches you everything that you need to know about elder ring on like a fundamental level it does and that's so when we talk about Margit, we're talking also about Morgoth in the beginning. Um, and you said and you it. you got those reversed. No, Margit, right? Or Margit's, Margit's the at beginning, the beginning. And then yeah. Morgoth's in the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Margit in the beginning is, like you said, it's the champion, or it's the Ludex Gundir fight. Mm-hmm. Um from Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 3, you start and you make it through the tutorial area and then you see your first boss fight and that's essentially what happens here in Elden Ring. And the game does a really good job at walking you through what to expect for the rest of the game, but it also really puts to the test everything that you had to learn up until that point the dodging, the timing of certain things. Like, we have to remember that on the way to this fight, you probably saw the tree sentinel along the way. Um, And if you fought that, great. Like, you had to learn timing from that fight as well. 
But this is where it truly steps that up in the market fight. And eventually you overcome it, right? Like you, you beat it. Great. Like that's your sense of accomplishment. That's the what, that's the part of us, like where a souls player is born. Like when they beat that first boss fight. But mm-hmm. then later with when it, we, we circle back around, like we've done boss after boss after boss. We've delved into the story at this point, And now we're roping back around to the, you know, the climax of the game. And we approach this arena and we don't know what to expect and down walks Morgoth. And Morgoth looks exactly like Margit from before and this is the champion Gundyr fight. This is the point in the game where it says, you've come a long way. Now let's see what you can do. And I roped these two together because it is essentially the same boss, but now it's the graduates class and it's the exact same moveset, but it's much faster. He's not fucking around anymore. He has his special sword out. Like, he's throwing more AoE attacks at you. The timing is much different. It truly takes everything up until that point in the game. And you are just unleashing it. And he's unleashing on you. And it's one of the most cinematic fights to me, too. Like, it's different in a cinematic way than the Radon fight. But it's mm-hmm. just how he's gliding around the map and he's jumping in the air and he's spinning. And then you have these just colorful eruptions all around you, too. It's incredible, man. Like, Margit and Morgoth together, it defines what a Souls game is to me. And that's why I wanted to choose them. But I also understand the Millennia fight, too, because when we... I keep saying it. All of these boss fights are cinematic, and hers is probably the most out of all of them. Like, you have this really epic initial battle where you're dancing, and it's just a flurry of blows left and right, and you're trying to stay alive and figure out the attack pattern, but she's also essentially learning you, too. And that's really different. And then you have this triumphant moment where, you, oh my god, I beat her, and here's phase two. And here's the point where it's that iconic scene that everyone knows about. She loses the armor and she becomes the embodiment of the Scarlet Rot. And it's absolutely mesmerizing. Mesmerizing. Yes, truly. To the point where we thought of the same word. Could have said anything, but it was mesmerizing. Damn. I think that's why I would understand her winning. So... Ultimately, like as a collective, like what are we feeling? Because those two fights are pretty spectacular. I'm on the fence, man. I'm I'm my vote's really for either. Fuck. Um Personally, I think that they should go to, to Margaret. Only because I, I mean it's everything that we've said. Um mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that, like, I think the easy answer is Melania. I think that that's the easy answer because everyone thinks of that boss fight when they think of Elden Ring. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. it's it's a good boss fight. It's a it's a great boss fight. But I think that, like, that's almost underscoring how important the other ones are. Like, I didn't necessarily like Radon as much as the two of you did, uh, mainly because he was the one that gave me the most trouble. <laughs> Yeah. Um but um 
I, I, I think that, like, to say Melania is, like, the best of Elden Ring, I, I think maybe that is true, but I think it's also easy to say that because of her, how iconic she is. Like, she's in the trailer for the game. Margit isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Radon is in the trailer for the game. Margit isn't. And, yeah. like... Uh, you, you could go down the list. I think that there are a ton of great fights. I, but I think that it's underselling how good some of those other fights are by picking something as I don't want to say pedestrian because that's wrong. Again, I need to preface this. Melania is a fucking excellent fight, but I think it's underselling it to give it to Melania just because she's the one that everybody knows. You know what yeah. I mean? Margaret, it is. Margaret, it is. Three cheers. Yep. Woot. 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 All right. Um, next category. This is a good one. This is a good one. Best music. Last year's winner was Sable, uh, which I single-handedly willed into existence. Uh, this year, some more strong contenders. We've got Ghost Song, Elden Ring, Neon White, Pokemon Scarlet slash Violet and Sonic Frontiers. Um, I don't know. When, when do you guys tell me tell me something about one of the games you picked? <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and cut Sonic Frontiers out of contention because while I think it does have a really good soundtrack, uh, and I haven't seen I I haven't watched any gameplay footage or anything on Ghost Song, so I can't really speak to that one. But I can say compared to Neon White, Elden Ring, and Scarlet and Violet, uh, Sonic Frontiers does not have a footing. But I I don't know if it's so much that I think the soundtrack is really good or if it just really caught me the fuck off guard. Um, I was not expecting a Sonic game to have fucking metalcore in its soundtrack. <laughs> that really caught me off fucking guard. I was like, hold on. This is Hold really good. Second. What the fuck? Um, like, uh, uh, even though but, uh, I see things on TikTok, people are like, oh, metalcore vocalist. Uh, he's not a metalcore vocalist. That's stupid. Uh, Kellen Quinn from Sleeping With Sirens is actually on the Sonic Frontiers soundtrack, and he does a phenomenal fucking job, even if I do hate 90% of his fucking music. Um, but, like, the game very quickly goes from this almost Breath of the Wild, like, piano uh, uh, ambient style uh, to give you kind of that lonely and isolated feeling. But then, just like the game breaks it up with, with these cyberspace recreations of classic Sonic levels, you also have kind of these a little more techno remixes of classic Sonic themes that are attached to those levels that... If you're a Sonic fan, like that's those are core those are core memories in the back of your fucking brain, uh, being remixed. Um, but then, like I said, you also have the metalcore thrown in there when you're doing these big like boss fights with these giant Titan fucking robot things, and it it, it fucking like it's it's something that shouldn't work, but it does, and it works really fucking well. Okay. I'll have to I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to play that game, but the soundtrack sounds cool. It does. It's it sounds like he said metalcore and I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought the same thing. I was like, "Hold up, Sega. What are you doing over here?" 
Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, again, I'm, you know, the standalone voice for Neon White. That being said, even if you don't play the game this year, I recommend you listen to the soundtrack because the shit is absolutely wild. It's wonderful. It is incredible. It's from a group called Machine Girl. They did the entire soundtrack for Neon White. The developer for Neon White actually sought them out specifically to do the music for Neon White, and I'm so glad that they did because it brings this really... I mean, it it channels a lot of different vibes, I'll, I'll be honest. It has, a, like, an electronic bass built around it. Like, that's kind of where a lot of the music stems from. Um, but it, it's, for the most part, it's really chill and upbeat, obviously, because you're trying to get through these levels as fast as possible, like I said. So you want something that kind of instills that in you. Um, but, dude, the whole entire soundtrack is just incredible like one of my favorite soundtracks of all time i think um came from neon white um the developer said or not the not the dev but the artist said that essentially they kind of wanted to channel this kind of old forgotten about ps2 slash dreamcast style of sound to the um to the music and i think it kind of embodies that but they put their own twist on it, and it just, man, it takes me places. It is incredible. Um, I, Justin and I were raving about it in the in the Discord the other day. I think he actually shared a song from Neon White. I'm not sure, but just absolutely incredible. It's broken into two parts on Spotify. If you haven't checked it out, uh, checked it out, it would have been my pick of the week this week. I think everyone should give it a shot. I think it's a it's a huge contender for this category, actually. Cool. Um, I actually thought that this was relatively clear cut when I started putting nominees together, like short list, um, and then I started playing Pokemon, which is something that I. J- I'm still baffled at, honestly. Um, I think that some of the themes in Pokemon aren't nearly as immediately memorable as the stuff that is in Elden Ring or, in your case, Dylan, Neon White. But, like, I will find myself humming the battle theme in this game very very often um and the uh what what's the the area zero like when you're inside of the crater mm-hmm. i'll i'll find myself like kind of like maybe not humming but like like i'll have that in the back of my head and it's just it's just kind of sitting there and playing on on like a loop um i really think that some of the music in this game is really, really good. Um, then you've got Elden Ring. <laughs> I don't even know what to say, honestly, about it. Like, it's just... I feel like, how how much more can we jerk this game off for the rest of this episode? Seriously, I mean... And I'm not... I, and, like... I, I don't want to be one say of those. It doesn't deserve it, though. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to be one of those guys. Is like, ooh, fanboy. Yeah, you know? for sure. But like, 
Have you listened to the soundtrack to Elden Ring? I, I, I mean, it, that that opening theme, the the fucking the menu music, man. The menu music immediately gets you fucking hyped, and then you've got like the serene kind of like tranquility of of Limgrave, and then you've got all of these really incredible fucking boss themes, like across the board, all of the boss themes that I can like remember because there's like a hundred fucking bosses in the game, but like I, they're immediately memorable to me. I, I, I feel like I remember the music from Margaret's fight just as much as I remember the music from Melania's fight. And those are like, 40, 50, 60 hours in between one another. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. This, like I said, when I kind of started talking, I think that this is a little bit harder than I had in, immediately anticipated because I I think that Scarlet and Violet's soundtrack kind of fucking rules and Elden Ring's soundtrack is excellent. So I, I don't know... I I can't necessarily choose between the two of them. Dylan, so do you have I've, thoughts? Fuck, I mean, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, but they're not good. I hate this. This is my hardest one because in my heart, in my heart, I really feel like Neon White should win this, but, oh, God damn it. So on the thing of Elden Ring, like, yeah, it's every every track is this, just this symphony of immersion, essentially. Um, I wrote two fights that I remember in particular that I love the songs for, that I listen to the songs for, are the Red Wolf of Radigan fight and the Morgoth fight. Um, those two songs by themselves kind of exemplify how I feel about the whole entire soundtrack. Like It, it, it captures so much. And it truly throws you into the moment wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Truly, I feel like it's a phenomenal soundtrack, too. Um, another issue that I that I take is that the first... I guess it was my first thought about Scarlet and Violet. It wasn't the graphics. It wasn't the Pokemon. I was literally... I booted up the game went through the opening sequence. I was standing inside of my starting house and the very first thing I noticed was the music and how it, I guess, embodied what it felt like to be in a Spain-themed region or a Spanish-themed region. Um, I immediately felt immersed in the world and that's something that I truly look for when I'm playing a game. And like you said, throughout... Scarlet and Violet, the soundtrack doesn't diminish at any point, whether I'm exploring the world or I'm in a battle, I'm in a raid, I'm taking on the champion, I'm taking on a gym. It's something unique. And like even the battle theme, like when it kicks into the final moments and it's like a remix on what uh, Sword and Shield did, essentially, it was a nice callback. And I, I thought the Sword and Shield, or sorry, the Scarlet and Violet um, soundtrack was incredible too, man. Like I, 
I think th- I don't personally know a lot about Ghost Song. Um, I know we talk a lot about Elden Ring. I'm okay with it going to that. Personally, if I could see it, I would see Neon White because I think it is the best soundtrack of the year. But uh, <coughs> it, it's it's rough, man. This is probably the hardest category for me. Yeah. I, I'm willing to vote for Neon White just to let Dylan finally have this one. I, I was actually going to say the same thing. Well, not necessarily. Also just because so- I've listened to the soundtrack and I think it's actually really fucking good. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine with that. Um, I didn't really talk about it, but Ghost Song's uh, soundtrack is really fucking cool. I, I really like it. It's sad and very uh, atmospheric, which totally fits the game. Um, and it's just, it's an easy listen. Um, but, like, the standouts for me were Elden Ring and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet after I finally played Pokemon. Um but that said, it's hard for me to choose between the two of them because I I do find myself very, very often humming themes from Pokemon. Um, and then on the other hand, I have Elden Ring, which is just, I, I mean, we've already gushed our tits off about it. Um, so I think, I think that it's perfectly acceptable to give it to Neon White here. I just, I don't want it to win for the sake of, I guess for the sake of me, like I, we have all played the other two games and I think we both all agree on both. It just comes down to deciding which of the two deserves it more. If you guys wanted to go that route, like I'm happy that Neon White could get the, could get the swing of it, but we did all three also play these games, (coughs) enjoyed both. Mm In terms of, oh, dude, I can't, like, it's hard for me to, to, I started to give it to Elden Ring right there, but then I started to smile and think about my time with Pokemon, so I don't know, I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's why I think, I, again, I don't think it's necessarily just letting you get a win, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I think that, like, it's hard for me to decide between the two of them, which means, and you feel very passionately about Elden Ring, I, I I feel like it would be um, a good, I don't know, compromise. I don't yeah. know if that's. I mean, the right I'm okay word. with that. I like I said, Neon White. Truly, in my heart, I feel like it deserves it. It's a very unique soundtrack to itself. Um, I encourage everyone to listen to it. I think it's the best soundtrack that came out of a game this year. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I did just real quick go bring up Go Song soundtrack again and I remembered it from the first time you spoke about it. That's just really good too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't want to sell it short, but like we we had already gushed about Elden Ring and Scarlet and Violet for so long. I didn't want to like waste time going over it. It's a very good soundtrack. It is. But yeah, no, I'm I'm very happy for Neon White with that because uh man Again, I've said it so many times, but thank you, Justin, dude. He turned me on to a good game and a great soundtrack. Hell yeah. All right. Neon White it is. Hell yeah. All right. Um, Now, a fan favorite and maybe my favorite category, uh, Biggest Shit Show. Uh, Last year's winner was the Blue Box Studios debacle. (laughs) Um, this year we have Bayonetta 3's voice acting, uh, that whole controversy, 
the Digimon Survive review bombing, 343's continued mishandling of Halo Infinite, Yuji Naka's whole year, <laughs> and PlayStation's year in PR. So, um, real quick, did you guys hear that? No. Oh, okay, I farted and it was real loud. Oh my! God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "God damn, that was loud." Okay. Anyway, no, back to this. Um. All right, this one's tough for me because I, when I started going back through and listening to uh, some of um, uh, Skill Up's videos to to go over this the you know he he does the this week in gaming and then i was listening to um the uh let's fight a boss podcast and they have like a little news section and stuff and like the only one i don't really know about to be honest with you is is the digimon survive so austin do you want to speak to that a little bit uh sure this was for biggest shit show right yeah okay um so it's, I, I'm sure a lot of people didn't care about it. it. It's just something that really fucking pissed me off. Uh, Digimon Survive got uh, pretty pretty badly fucking review bombed uh, when it came out because people are fucking stupid and don't know how to read <laughs> or pay attention to what they watch. Um, there and what made it really bad was you had content creators like this is this is your fucking job, dude. Like, it is your job to play, like, you have made this your job to play these games, review them, talk about them, discuss them. Why are you not doing your research beforehand? That doesn't, like, if I just walked in my job and pretended like I did, I, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't, you know what would happen? I would get hurt. I would fucking die. Like, why, it just doesn't make sense to me that, your your literal job is to review video games and you're going to pick this game up not knowing anything about it and say, oh, I didn't know it was going to be a visual novel. I thought it was going to be like every other Digimon game that came out before it. Well, fuck, dude. If you paid just a little bit of attention, you would have fucking known that. And it really sucked seeing content creators that I really like and I really fucking uh, uh, follow and care about to to be so fucking stupid. It's so frustrating. Um, and, and that's where all of it came from. Just people not knowing it was a visual novel. Not knowing that... Um, or claiming that they didn't know that the uh, tactical RPG elements were going to be such a backseat. When they said in numerous interviews that it was 75% a visual novel, 25% a tactical RPG. These interviews date as early as February of this year. The game did not fucking launch until July. You had plenty of fucking time to read those reviews. And then I see comments that are like, oh, well, you know, just because I'm interested in the game doesn't mean I read every single fucking interview or watch every single fucking trailer. Yeah, okay, sure, that's true. However, all you had to do was fucking watch one to know that this was a visual novel. Like, you just had to watch one. And I, I it's, I, if, if it's a game that I know I'm interested in, I'm going to at least watch the fucking announcement trailer. I'm going to at least watch the first bit of gameplay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, 
just because you were disappointed that it's not what you thought it was going to be doesn't mean you get to call it shit for it when it it never was meant to be that. Yeah. It's just stupid. Everyone's stupid. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Angry. Angry. Uh, all right. Um well, yeah. Uh So Yuji Naka's year, I think, kind of deserves to be on here because. So, Yuji Naka is the co creator of uh, Sonic. Uh, I think he was possibly the lead designer on Sonic 2, but he was, at at the very least, was the co creator. He was the co creator. Yeah. Um, So. he has kind of been a legend in the industry and finally got his game Balan was it Wonderworld or Wonderland? I don't remember. Um mm. either way, I, I don't think it's necessarily a big deal, but either way, that game, the one that yeah. was busted and broken and gave people seizures. <laughs> um Yeah. So his game launched and it was it reviewed terribly because it was a broken, busted game that gave people seizures. Um and so he was let go of his contract with Square Enix. And then a couple of months later, uh, he files a lawsuit against them saying that they breached contract. But if, if I'm remembering this correctly, I watched this video a couple of days ago. Um, or watched the, the Skillup video that mentioned this a couple of days ago. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it actually uh, turns out that, like, they didn't do anything wrong and that they just kind of like released him because the game was bad and he wasn't performing up to standards. Um, so, so there was that. And then just, uh, what was it like two weeks ago? He was arrested for insider trading. He was arrested oh, for that God. twice this year. <laughs> yeah. Twice. Uh, so <clears throat> yeah, like I, I, I want to say poor Yuji Naka because, like, goddamn, what a year. But also, at the same time, it seems kind of like he is just not very good at a bunch of things. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Um, then I wanted to... I, I definitely wanted to mention this because I've kind of been railing on, on PlayStation all year uh, about their very anti-consumer moves. But, like, uh, when you look, kind of look back at their year, right, you've got them releasing Horizon a week before Elden Ring. They did the same exact thing with Horizon with fucking Breath of the Wild, so should have learned your lesson, but, you know, whatever. So, there's that, but then also tied in with that, they tried to pass the game off as $70, even though they had announced it at 60 with a free upgrade. And they try to not be able to give people that free upgrade. So what ended up happening is people had to buy the PS4 version instead of just buying the PS5 version and getting it at $60. You had to buy the PS4, get the free upgrade, and you were, you know, whatever. So there was that. Then they they backtracked on, or like they, they initially tried to backtrack on that. Then later in the year... They uh, raised the price on PS5, which was like, what are you fucking doing? 
then, according to an article I read, uh, I think a week ago, uh, they were apparently getting rid of the digital models of the PS5. They weren't going to be available for sale anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, and their, their argument was because people weren't buying them, but... Like, okay, <laughs> you should still give people options. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Uh, and then you had the um, what? What was the thing? Oh my gosh, there was one other thing, and it was a relatively recent. Uh, oh no, 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 no! Sorry, it wasn't relatively recent. The entire launch of their new subscription service that like was tiered out to where it was like. 60 90 or 120 dollars a year and the two tiers that were above the 60 you didn't really get much offering out of it it was just like here give us extra money basically yeah. like <laughs> i don't know that was fucking wild and i i have been railing on them all year and i think rightfully so fuck sony this year they've just been a bunch of shit bags um, but the two that, that I think loom the largest to me are the Bayonetta 3 voice acting debacle and 343's continued mishandling of Halo Infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys feel about those two? To be honest with you, the Bayonetta one is the only one that I even remotely kept up with this year. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, that's I mean, an easy one because... Mm-hmm. Because of everything surrounding it, like the whole fact that she was like trying to like defame a studio, and then when when people in in games journalism kind of called her out on it, she was like, "This is like she started throwing around like Gamergate type rhetoric, which was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and my only my only thing about about giving the award to this is I I. I don't want this to seem like it's a bunch of dudes on the internet piling on a middle-aged woman. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Even though she totally fucking deserves it because she was kind of like uh, g- very gross about how she handled things uh, and that were just straight up fucking lies. Um, I just I I kind of feel a little weird contributing to you know the harassment of women. Um, that said, three four three man, what the fuck are you guys doing with Halo? Like, yeah. I, I, they at I think at two points this year delayed their next season of Halo by at least a month. Uh, this last season actually or like what would have been the season that would have come out in, I think November was delayed into next year. So that then Holy they could shit. focus. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And it was so that they could focus on getting, um, uh, what the hell? Uh, what am I thinking? Forge out the door. And then it still didn't come at the time that they said it was going to, it didn't come until December. Then the couch co-op, it was revealed that, like, they they said, okay, we can't do this, it's too technically complicated, blah, 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 And then it was found out by some YouTuber that, like, 
it's in the code already, and you can actually boot it up on a Series X and run it, and it runs fine, but they canceled it anyway. Oh. <laughs> so, it's like, what the fuck is going on here? What are, what are you guys doing with this franchise that you're supposed to be the heralds of? Yeah. Uh, and that's not even mentioning the, the... Seriously. Um, but that that's not even mentioning the, the uh, stuff with, like, the battle pass that has been horrendous, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I... To me, it's it's between the three four three and the bayonetta, um, but I, I I don't know. It it really could have easily been any of these. I'm okay with sliding three or four three at any chance I get because they ruined my favorite franchise of shooters. So go ahead. Yeah, I agree with Dylan. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they deserve every bit of it. Damn Fuck you, three four three. I did try playing it this year, and I was like, that was enough of that. I didn't. I, 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 the thing that sucks is I really like Halo Infinite. I think that story and the campaign are really fucking good. And the multiplayer is maybe the most fun I've had playing Halo since Halo 2. But it's, I don't know. It's just not. (laughs) I just, okay. The most you've had since Halo 2? Yeah. I, I fucking love that multiplayer, dude. That multiplayer is so fucking fun to me. And I'm it's bad good, at the multiplayer. Like Halo Reach good. Oh, it's way better than Halo Reach. You're crazy. All right, it. shut up. <laughs> sure. Shut up. I'm trying to be respectful of people's opinions, and I'm saying a lot of things in my I'm head. I'm about right to now. not be. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get to our uh, patron... Game of the Good. Year number dose. Uh, we have Mr. Gilbeezy Kitchens up in this bitch. Um, all right. His top five are in order. Number five is Teardown. He said, do you like Power Power Wash Simulator? Do you wish it was even better and also focused on wanton destruction instead of cleaning? Do you like dumb video game physics that let you accidentally drop the five-story building on a yacht? Play this game. Um, <laughs> I... I'm not even sure what this game is, but I'm going to seek it out because that does sound like a lot of fun. That sounds fucking incredible. So, uh, number four, Immortality. Uh, He said, an incredibly immersive mystery that's honestly more fun to unravel than it is to finally solve. But the mechanics drew me in and made me feel like I was on an episode of CSI. Zooming and yelling enhanced to find things in the footage that no one had seen before. P.S. Suck it, Jess from Giant Bomb. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess she hates the game. Uh, number three, Vampire Survivors, a game that I have been meaning to get to because Jeff is singing its praises everywhere. Um, it said, a textbook one more run game that is so stupidly simple on its face, yet the more you play, the deeper the game goes. I don't like games that look like this, and yet I can't stop playing it. I recommend playing without a guide or foreknowledge of the mechanics to maximize the experience. Um, I also heard that the less you know about the game, the more fun it is. So, Number two was Sniper Elite 5. Uh, and he said, this is on no one's list. No one is talking about this game. No one will think about this game in 20 years or 10 or 5. 
However, it gave me the most fun of any game this year. I had a blast every second I was playing, and every mode was equally well-crafted with no part of the package feeling weak or tacked on. The game is solid from front to back, and it, it, it was 100% my favorite game this year. All right. Then his number one was, as everyone can guess, Elden Ring. And his he wrote... To be totally honest, this isn't one of my favorite games of the year. On the list I kept this year, it didn't even crack the top 10. I only bought it because of a friend's extreme excitement for it. And while I really enjoyed my time with it, when that friendship fell apart, I stopped playing the game entirely as it was just a painful reminder. But while I didn't finish the game, I'll likely never go back and play more of it. I have to acknowledge the incredible craftsmanship that went into this game. Making it an experience people will remember for decades. And while it involves painful memories for me, and this game may not be my favorite game of the year, Elden Ring will forever be the game that is cemented in my mind when I think about gaming in 2022. And for that reason, it's my personal game of the year. Um, what he says right there, I think, sums up a lot of people's feelings on it. I, I, I think when you think about 2022, uh, Elden Ring will be the game that everyone thinks about. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, very valid point there, Mr. Mr. Beezy. Uh, okay. Let's get back to it. We've got four more awards, or th- three more awards to give out. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of our favorite things from this year. Um, all right. So, best narrative. Last year's winner was Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I feel like that one was a shoe-in, if I remember correctly. Um, This year's nominees, it's a little bit harder. (laughs) We have Immortality, Citizen Sleeper, Elden Ring, Digimon Survive, Pokemon Scarlet, and Violet. Um, Alright, so... Austin, tell me about Digimon Survive. Yeah, I was about to say I'll go first because I know it has the least shot of the five. Um, I put Digimon Survive on here uh, just because the narrative literally floored me. Um, I mean, at at points it had me cackling and at others it had me a sobbing fucking mess. Um, This was the darkest and, and and that's not to say, it, within the last couple of years, Digimon games have gotten progressively darker. And they have challenged more deeper issues than other uh, monster-catching uh, franchises. But I I didn't expect this one to fuck, to fuck with me as bad as it did. Um, it just, it, it was so dark and fucking gritty, like you... You go from these kids like kind of kind of being scared but also being a little excited. They're like, oh, we all have these cool little monsters that can breathe fire and do cool little shit. And the next thing you know, one of them's fucking eating one of the kids. Like it, this 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 monster that was supposed to be his partner ends up fucking eating him <laughs> in front of everybody. And and it's like this isn't while, while I feel like this was kind of in a weird way a almost like a reboot of the original Digimon adventure because it, it, it kind of all sets up in a very similar way this isn't 
this isn't some happy-go-lucky adventure of a couple of kids with these mysterious creatures. Like, this is a story of survival. These kids are just trying not to fucking die. And I, I, I just, I thought it was incredible. Hell yeah. I mean, I have only gotten so far in it uh, to the point where you are, where they're being introduced to the Digimon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm probably not even an hour in, uh, but I, I can see why it appeals to you. I can, I, I can say that for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Dylan, you tell me about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Cause I, I feel like this is the one that you're maybe most passionate about. I I don't remember another Pokemon game that at least gripped me in terms of the story content that this game tried to take on. It was I'm trying to gather my thoughts. I'm going to be straight up, and I'm just going to focus on one aspect of the story, and then I'll kind of group in the other ones. Um, Arvin was a kid that when you first meet him in the game, he's a dick. I mean, there's no way around it. He's kind of a pompous ass, and he throws on... He kind of just forces a Pokeball into your hands and says, here, take this legendary Pokemon, essentially, and he seems really callous about it. I did not like that. I do not like, even in the anime, I, I've i never liked when people kind of show that kind of relationship to Pokemon because it, me in real life with my animals, when I see that, it, it hurts me. And it, you know, transcends into Pokemon as well. So when I started out with his story, I did not care about him. I did not even want to be around him. I didn't care to flesh out his story. I just wanted to get back to Nimona and doing the star challenges. That was it. So when we start taking on these Titan Pokemon and we start looking for what he calls Herba Mystica, I was like, what's the point, man? Like, why, why am I trying to be friends with this kid who was a snotty little brat at the beginning of the game? And when you start to flesh out his story, you come to find out that he does have other Pokemon. And the one that means the most to him, his Mabostiff, or whatever it's called, his, you know, big, spooky-looking puppy, critically injured, almost dying. Can't stand up, can't bark, can't play fetch, can't, can't do anything. When you find out that he is, he dropped everything with Coridon or Miridon, depending on which game you're playing. When you find out that their po- when their mom or dad, depending on what game you're playing, is the professor, and they instilled this Pokemon into them, and then even with that, like they discarded the, this project sent to them from their family, in an effort to put full force into trying to heal his partner trying to heal his Pokemon. When you when you see that and you see the story flesh out and see 
how tear jerking it becomes for him to like not see any progress in his best friend. It hits hard. It hits hard because just a couple of years ago, I lost my dog that I've had in my life for many years. I, it was, it was a terrible situation because I woke up one morning and I didn't expect it to happen. I thought I was going to the vet to take my dog and I was just going to stop in and see him because I knew he was there. And it turns out that was the last time I ever got to see him. And that hurts. And to see Arvin put so much power into trying to do everything in his being, go to the ends of Paldea to do whatever he could to make sure his Pokemon felt better, it was a complete 180. I was like, it went from him being my least favorite character to my most favorite character. I was rooting for him. And then we go even further than that in finding out that his relationship with his mom slash dad was damn near non-existent. They disappeared out of his life. He raised himself. The Mabostiff, his Pokemon, was the only one there for him that entire time. He had no family outside of that Pokemon. And to see that by the end of it, it hit hard, man. And then to couple that in with now we're taking the Mona storyline. We're seeing her story of trying to propel you as a trainer to be the very best that you can to take on every challenge around every corner. Then we turn to Team Star and we see that it's this group of friends that were being bullied and they they themselves became the bad guys essentially to at least be intimidating so that other kids who are getting bullied, these kids could stand up for them. And you start to see that story flesh out a little more. And you're taking you're taking part in all of these things and it all culminates together at the end because you've helped everyone. You've grown these bonds and you see a story that from start to finish went three completely different directions and it all circled back together in the end. And it was incredible. I have not had a Pokemon story like that in a very long time. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was compassionate. I think it's a very progressive Pokemon game. And I think that's beautiful, especially for the kids playing it today. I think it tackles a lot of great concepts and it does it well. And I loved every bit of it. Yeah, one thing that I I <clears throat> was immediately um, in, enchanted by with the Pokemon uh, this 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 go round was uh, it really was I felt like showing its inclusivity uh, like just out of the gate. Some of it is a little bit uh, ham fisted. Like I feel sure. like Ryan uh, rhyme is like a walking stereotype. I really don't necessarily like the portrayal of her character, yeah. but, but like Nimona, for instance, um, I, I loved, I loved the fact that there was like a little Brown girl, <laughs> you know, yeah. in a, in a Pokemon game. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I, I also really liked, and this is separate from the story, but like I, I genuinely enjoyed the fact that like you could make your character as opposed to having just a stock, like this is the female version. This is the male version. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like I, I liked the fact that like, you know, trans kids out there will be able to like, be like, Oh, this is what 
I see myself as type thing. You know what I mean? I do. Um, and, and I just I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, they did a good job in making this one more than probably the most inclusive in terms of overall designing yourself. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that, and there's obviously still a ways to go. Like, there's, oh yeah, there there's stuff in here that's like, I mean, I I mentioned rhyme earlier. Rhyme really is a walking fucking stereotype. I love her, but she's she's a fucking uh, a goddamn. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. A, a cringe-inducing stereotype. I felt like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, I I I feel you. I. I said it earlier, and I felt like it was almost a little bit dismissive, and I, I didn't mean it to come across that way. But like, I, I do, I do understand what you're saying about the um, the story being like adult and inclusive, and 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 um, uh, maybe the most accessible Pokemon story. Uh, so when I when I said it was kind of childish, I didn't mean it to come across as like dismissive. Uh, I, I think my thing is, is that like I feel like Pokemon has always been a, a a game about friendship, like even all the way back in Red and Blue, it's it's a game about you know developing bonds with pets more or less. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. becoming your friends. Um, and I kind of felt like the main the the big takeaway here was like with your friends you can overcome anything. It was still like. A, ultimately a story about friendship and like to me i'm like when, when i when i play pokemon and and the thing is i can't knock pokemon for this because it is a fucking kids game like these are not designed for adults they're not trying to get into the fucking themes about like the fucking macroeconomics of of capitalism or or you know whether or not like dying is the end of existence <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like but I, I i do personally feel like the story is a little bit i hate to say this this is going to sound so wrong but I, I i feel like it is a little bit beneath me if that makes sense I, I feel like the other stuff, like the, I do agree with you on um, the stuff with Arvin. I, I really, really do think that like that's the first time with the exception of maybe uh, I think it was like black and white um, where you were taking on like, I think literal terrorists who were like, fucking stealing Pokemon to become like weapons of mass destruction or some shit. Mm -hmm. I, um, with the exception of that, like I felt like this is Arvin's storyline was like maybe the, the first one that was touching on, on stuff that was adult, like is talking about someone whose fucking parents died and having to grieve and stuff like that. And, and that was something that I, honestly was kind of blown away by um i don't know um i agree with you i i i guess is what i'm getting at i i think that uh the fucking story in here is is pretty damn good um even if i think that there are other others on this list that maybe did it better um 
Elden Ring is here. Do do we need to say anything more about Elden no. Ring? Um, all right. So the three, the three categories this year that I was immediately like, these are the categories that I really, really want to shoot for. And I'm not going to, uh, go down without a fight, so to speak, were best supporting character, best narrative and best lead character. Um, neither of you guys played Citizen Sleeper or Immortality, but I think that those two games will end up being thought of in maybe 15 or 20 years as one of the all-time great video game stories, uh, the both of them. Um, I loved Citizen Sleeper. I think that the story it tells and the connections that you build in that game are superb and have some of the absolute best writing of any video game I've ever played. Um, literally every character is enjoyable. Uh, every character and, and it, like that even goes to like the quote unquote bad characters. Like there's one character in here who he's, a bounty hunter uh, who comes after you to try to take you back to the company that you escaped from. Um, and he ultimately ends up giving you a uh, kind of like a pass where he's like, um, here's, here's what happened. Here's what happened. The company is no longer accepting your bounty and now I'm screwed and I'm stuck on this fucking thing. So, Here's what's the deal. You're going to fucking pay for my shit for the next, uh, you know, however long it takes for me to figure out a way to get us both out of this situation and I can get my money. Um, and it's like, well, goddamn, this dude's a fucking dickwad. And by the end of it, you kind of get a different, by the end of his perspective, of, of his story, you kind of get gain a perspective on him where he's just the same off as you are. He's being used by a system that will chew him up and spit him out. And he has alcoholism issues and like all of this stuff compounding to make this really kind of like what you would assume is a one dimensional character into something that's a little bit more like someone that you could, despite his many, many flaws, maybe, maybe care about a little bit. Um, and I, 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 I think that Citizen Sleeper is full of those stories and is full of characters just like that. And it's a game that I think lives or dies by its narrative because I, the, the gameplay itself isn't necessarily anything to write home about. It's basically a tabletop simulator. You roll some dice and do tasks, and that's that's kind of it. Um, it really lives and dies by the story, and the fact that it is currently in my top three games of the year speaks volumes about its narrative, I think. Um... 
On the other hand, you have a game like Immortality that it is a game for sure, like I just said, that that lives and dies by its um, lives and dies by its narrative because it is almost entirely a narrative uh, game. But the things that this game is doing really, really, I think, are very. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to phrase this. Uh, they're very heady and they're doing things that I, I don't really know that I've ever seen a game tackle before. It's talking about stuff about like, uh, the impact of art and the kind of like, uh, lifespan that that has. And it's talking about, other things about how women get chewed up and spit out in industries that produce art. And it's talking about like how people will live forever in art, but people may not remember the stories. And like, if, if that is the case, is it really considered art? I mean, there are so many different themes at work in this thing and they all come together in such a just, incredible way and I, I mean Gil Beasy said it in, in his little blurb like I think that the mystery kind of ends up being like less of a factor than the fact that I am so pulled in so many different directions by what it is saying and how I'm feeling about what it's saying and I think Sam Barlow is a fucking genius, man. I, I like between this telling lies and her story, like I don't think that there's anybody in the video game industry right now who is writing shit the same way that this dude is writing stuff. Um, I think this game fucking rules. And I think that a large part of it is because of the really incredible writing that the game offers. Um, yeah. Well, <clears throat> sounds like it comes down to you, Dad. Oh, I agree. oh, it comes it comes down to Dad. It's old Papa over there. Okay. Um, does anybody wanna wanna fight me on this? Is there one that you feel really really passionate about that you're like I don't know you're you're a dumbass that doesn't see <laughs> doesn't see the genius in this. No. I'm okay. Yeah, same. I'm okay letting this one go. Okay. Alright. Uh, oh, now it comes down to which one I want to fucking pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think at the end of the day, I was more emotionally impacted by Citizen Sleeper. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to take that route, but I really, really want to emphasize that you should not fucking sleep on immortality as a game. I think that it has such really, really fucking incredible things to say. Oh yeah. 
All right, we're down to our second to last category. Best lead character. Last year, this was won by Rivet from Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And this year's nominees are The One slash Marissa Marcel from Immortality, uh, Neon White from Neon White, The Cat from Stray, Rani from Elden Ring, and Frederica from Triangle Strategy. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think that Frederica can can get taken off this list. Uh, I just have an unhealthy um, fascination with her. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think that she's lovely. Um, and she is the best girl of Triangle Strategy uh, by, a, by a very, very large margin. Um, but in in... Compared to the others on this list, I, I think that it is, uh, if she were to win, it would be an absolute travesty to, to the category. Um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and knock her off. But, uh, Dylan, we both played Stray, and I, I, <laughs> I like the kitty cat, obviously, but I think that the, um, the characters surrounding the cat are more memorable, let's say. Um, so why did, why did you put the cat on here? Because uh, I can scratch carpet. <laughs> <laughs> and you can take long naps. You can literally just yep. go in the, in the game and just fucking nap for yep, hours. I can find a nice little robot lap to sleep on, and I can nap. I can <laughs> knock paint buckets off. It's great. Um, and all of those things listed is truly why I voted him because there is so much charisma behind that little cat, dude. Um, you're 100% right. B12 is the focus of the story. Um, the robots that Stray helps along the way are the story. Um, mm-hmm. But it all is not possible without that little cat. And I fucking fell in love with... Um, I don't know if it's boy or girl, to be honest with you. I'm just going to call it Stray. I fell in love with Stray. Um, Do you want to know one of my favorite things real quick? Uh, sure. Because cause you've said it several times. But uh, I, I'm sad that it didn't make our best li- narrative list. Because I really think the title of Stray just cuts so fucking deep. Yep. Like, just, uh, anyway, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. That was it. No, I mean, I, I agree. It does cut deep, and it kind of, I don't know. it. The cat had no dialogue outside of some meows that you could, you know, initiate on your side. That was the cat's dialogue. It was meows. We, we saw nothing from the cat um, outside of it just wanting to help and it being the conduit for... I guess the robot's success along the way. I absolutely fell in love with that cat, man. So that, that was the reason Stray was my choice. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, I think we're all in agreement that the best storyline in Elden Ring is Rani's quest. Best girl. Yep. Right? Rani is easily best girl for sure. Yep. Um, her storyline's fucking amazing um she's got the best ending also i think thematically her ending is also like it it ties everything together the best i don't like the other endings as much um i i really feel like 
kind of the purpose of, of Elden Ring's story is uh, her, like, desire, like, her, her wanting to tear down the power structures that exist. Like, I feel yep. like a lot of, like, what's going on in the game is is that. And to choose another ending, I feel like, is very unfitting. I, I feel like hers is easily the best uh, storyline and... and, and and thematically ties the game together the best. Um, I like the I like the the fan theory. It's obviously wrong, but it says the traditional ending sets up Dark Souls, the frenzied ending sets up Demon Souls, and then like Randy's ending sets up Bloodborne or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> that's fucking incredible. I love that. Um, but no, she truly had the best, absolute best storyline. Had the best characters to interact with along the way as well best weapons best armor set came from her quest line and then also like you said best ending god she's fucking incredible dude yep 100 percent agreed all right so she wins great uh how about yep. we talk about neon white because we haven't talked about that game I'm enough fine with randy winding <laughs> <laughs> uh no he was my pick man uh he uh I didn't necessarily think I was going to like him when I started the game. Not because he seemed unlikable. It's just not my kind of character. He was some amnesiac, I, I guess, gangbanger in another life, it seemed like. Like, mm-hmm. he was, he just seemed like he was kind of pompous and full of himself. But the more the story fleshed out, the more he became likable i i guess you could say like how his how his story intertwined with neon red neon yellow green violet like it it just all of them made up his story essentially and he became something i guess i didn't anticipate like i guess with his history um i don't know i i fell in love with it i fell in love with him as a character pretty much damn near everyone in neon white was special in some regard uh, even the side characters, like the little angels that appears as cats, they're pretty great too. But uh, he was probably one of my stand, one of the more standout characters to me this year. Okay. Cool. And Randy uh, wins. Uh, and we have the one slash Marissa Marcel. Ah, I saw. I didn't ah, see that one. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, weird that you didn't see that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um. I really, really think that a lot of what I like about the character of the one and Marissa Marcel um, is made in the performance by, uh, what is her name? I'm I'm blanking on her name. Um, Hang on. Man Engage, is that her name? Immortality... Uh, game. I, want, I don't need to. I know what immortality is. Uh, yes, man engaged. That is her name. Um, I really think that she uh, sells the character really, really, really fucking well. Um, and the. Uh, I think her name is Natalie Watson. I could be wrong. Um, the one who plays the one they're technically the same character, but they're, they're played by, by different people. Um, I think that, uh, 
the two performances they give are just like God, dude. They're they're so good, and they they elevate the material around them. I think there's one scene in uh, it's it's near the end where the one is kind of talking like she's talking to the camera and she's talking about like I said before she's kind of talking about like the nature of art and everything and then like it was a couple of clips later I found one it was a a clip of her and she is crying while she's singing this song um and it's really affecting in in an almost off-putting way because when you think about the the story that her character specifically and and technically again she is kind of like technically the same character as marissa marcel it's complicated um but when you think about the story that she's telling and what's going down with her and talking about like kind of like wanting to make art and and things of that nature and then when you see her performing this song it's a cover of another like of it's a cover of a cover i believe and she's sitting there and she's she's kind of singing it and the thing is is that it's not really her singing it it's not her voice it's the voice of uh someone else and she's sitting there and she's crying while she's singing this and it's like really powerful imagery but it's kind of speaking to like her (sighs) how do I want to put this it's kind of speaking to her sort of I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the the correct word that I want to use. Um, I guess fantasy, but I don't, I don't think that's really the right word. But it, it's speaking to something that I I am sitting here and I'm like that is truly truly like a, a powerful message and and the way that it's conveyed in this scene and the way that. Marissa and the one throughout all of their scenes portray these themes is really, really fucking engaging and really, really, again, I, I got to go back to the narrative. It's some of the best fucking writing I've ever seen in a video game. These characters are so fucking well realized and they're full of contradictions and it just, I don't know. I, I I love the performance. I love the writing behind the character. I, I, I It's all very good. It's all very, very good. Um, yeah. Uh, Marissa Marcel would be my pick, but I don't know. What are, what are you guys thinking? Me. I don't really have a stake here. You do. You have a stake in Ranny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could go for Ranny. See, we all agree. Do we? 
Yeah, do, yeah, 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 yeah. Do, do we all agree? <laughs> Mostly. I, I think yeah. I think that two of you agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the majority. Hey, you're you're not wrong. Uh, but I do need to remind you, you guys. I do need to remind you guys that you fucked me in game of the year twenty twenty. Uh, when you uh, oh, that was two years you ago. You fucking sandbagged Hades hey, for Game of the Year. You have had a good show this show. Yeah, with getting things that you like. You know, you you got Citizen Sleeper winning Best Narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I d- and then on, on top of that, you you got Lemon Mina. Yeah, that's true. I feel like best girl, Rani. I feel like you've gotten enough this episode. <laughs> Truthfully. Oh, hey, Austin, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I will as soon as this is over. Oh. Oh, Lord. Right. That just ended things. Uh, if, if, if we can't agree on Rani, fine. No, it's not fine. Okay, then let's just agree on her because... <laughs> What what is what is your what is your uh, what is your love for Rani coming cr- come from Austin? I just think she's a baddie witch. I'm okay with that. Let's just end it at that. <laughs> and she's a doll, which makes it even better. Honestly, uh, literally. Mm. Best ending in Elden Ring, which was probably going to be game of the year. So by default, that sounds to me. I but mean, to be honest I, with you, I agree. Like, I don't know. I I I I see your point for uh, Marissa slash the one. So uh, it, it would most certainly do away with white. It would do away with stray. It would do. I don't even know what the fuck the Frederica is, but she's Randy's my pick girl. because I think it's. I think it's probably the best quest line in any FromSoft game. Oh, mm. un- undoubtedly. Yeah, um, I. She was incredible to me, uh, and God, Moonlight Greatsword. You get Blyde's armor from it all. Yeah. One of the coolest oh, yeah. areas of the game is where her three towers are. Truly. Uh, yeah. But uh, that being said, if your heart screams, Marissa, if you know in your heart that Marissa should win this like Neon White should have won soundtrack, I understand. I think that... I think that I want to save my... Belly aching for game of the year. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just take it now. Uh. Jesus Christ. He said, Please don't. I. Here's my hang up. I don't. Th- I don't feel like anywhere immortality has gotten the due that it deserves. It's going to make I've, it. It's going to make it high in our game of the year list because it's it's in my top three. Um, <laughs> so you guys already know what my top three is. 
Um, so it's it's good. I I think it I think it's it ha, it one hundred percent has to make it into our top ten. Um, so I mean, you're so, not wrong. I don't think it's had the credit that it's due. I will agree with that. So, I feel like it deserves a category. Yeah, that that's 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 where I'm I'm was trying to head before my brain shut down. I, I was trying to say that I think that like I would like to give it an award and this is the it's, award that I think it maybe most deserves. Yeah, but, it's not even a pity award like you said it deserves it. Yeah. I don't know. It if you guys are okay with it, I would love to give it to That's fine. <laughs> Austin just wants to be done. Uh, okay. All right. Well, let's do that. And then um, I'll I'll seed some ground in Game of the Year. Fuck you guys. Yeah. All right. We got last category before we get to some stuff. Uh, this is best old game. Last year's winner was Spire of the Dragon Remastered. The nominees this year are Resident Evil 2 Remake, Final Fantasy VIII, Tell Me Why, Cyberpunk 2077, and Returnal. Um, uh, so for, for me, I put, tell me why on here, because I played it for the challenge as one of my episodes, not one of my, but my episodic adventure genre. Um, I was going to do the walking dead, but I was like, that's a commitment that I'm not willing to make. So I found this and I just happened upon it. And I'm so glad I did because by the end of it, it told me one of my favorite stories that I've played in a video game. And we've spoken about progressiveness in video games on this episode alone. And this one kind of, again, exemplifies that. I mean, the main character of the story is a transgender man. And I think that it is very heartwarming. And on top of that, it had this crazy mystery all along the way that involved kind of reconciling with your twin sister and building off of one another's memories and man it was an incredible ride um that being said i think cyberpunk this uh takes this one for me just because of the sheer turnaround that it had and the absolutely mind-blowing popularity that came from edge runners and just making this game skyrocket once again and Going back to play it this year, didn't finish it, but going back to play it, I can attest that it runs splendidly on mm-hmm. the uh, PS5. I think it looks like how it was supposed to now. I've been delving into a lot more of the side quests this time and the relationships in that regard and just exploring more of Night City and it has been a stellar ride man and I'm glad that Edge Runners helped kind of push it back into the spotlight a little bit. Heck yeah. Um I I really think Edge Runners did a lot of heavy lifting for that yeah. game's return. Um very much so. But but I mean kind of rightfully so. I, I feel like a lot of people fucking love this game. Um so hey Stuff and things. Um, Austin, you were telling me the other day that you really fucking dig Final Fantasy VIII. Tell me about that. I did. Uh, I actually haven't played it since then because I've been really sick. And then I picked up uh, Sonic Frontiers. 
Um, it's a fantastic JRPG. I really love the GF system, and that's honestly about all I can say right now because I'm still stuck on where I said I was. Oh. <laughs> you really caught me off guard there. Uh, well, fair enough. Uh, well, I, I mean, I've also been playing it too, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's unfair for me to talk about it because it's one of my favorite games ever. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to kind of get your take on it. I do want to keep playing it, and I do plan to. I just, I uh, after I got stuck on that, I got really fucking sick. And I haven't wanted to play anything, and then Sonic Frontiers came, and I was like, oof. So, I'll get to it. Hey, I mean, fair enough. (laughs) You gotta do what you gotta do. Um, That's true. I replayed Resident Evil 2 Remake this year. Um, I think the original Resident Evil 2 is still one of the, the pinnacle titles in all of horror games. Um, and is is maybe the best survival horror game ever made. Um, suck my dick, Resident Evil Four. Uh, and remake does everything that that first game does, or that original game, I should say. I think kind of does it better in a lot of ways. Um, Resident Evil Two remake is a fucking just masterclass in game design. It's fucking it's it's wonderful. It's a great great fucking game. Um, did we all play Returnal this year, or was it just me and... Just Uh-oh. you two. Okay. Uh, I, I... I'll say this. This game made me more fucking frustrated than Elden Ring or any Souls game that I have ever played. Uh, and... Yeah. That said, when I was playing it, Boy, was I having a fucking blast. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that game, but it's got sticky, sticky fucking hooks, man. And it the, it feels wonderful. But god damn, is it fucking frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. what. Uh, I think Dylan probably feels most passionate about Final Fantasy... Or, sorry, Cyberpunk 2077. Had a fucking Freudian slip there. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I I do, but I can easily give it to Returnal because I've listened to both of you talk about it this year, and it's been nothing but good, except for you know the frustrations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, uh, I would be completely fine with giving it to Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh, because my pick would be Final Fantasy VIII, and that is one of my favorite games oh. I've ever made. So, okay. so, you know, I'm incredibly fucking biased. I'm I'm also down to give it the cyberpunk. There we go. Congrats, Lisa. This is because of you. <laughs> yeah, we're giving this to uh, cyberpunk because of Lisa. Also yep. because um, of uh, cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is... Fucking, oh, god damn. Rest in peace, everyone. Rest in peace. Literally everyone. Except for Lucy, because Lucy's best, best girl. girl. And Falco. And Falco, yeah. Falco made it out alive. Did you see that there is a calling card in Modern Warfare 2 that looks a lot like Lucy? Uh, it does. I had not seen that, but now it's that you say the, that, I'm interested. You're very close to it. It's one of the calling cards that come from the Prestige 1. So. Oh, I'm a, I'm already over Prestige One. I see that. I just don't Jesus know Christ. how. <laughs> you... 
Like, I don't know how you get it, but it's a part of that set. Okay, okay. I'll have to figure that out, because yeah. I, I, like, I like Lucy. I think she's a good... I love Lucy. <laughs> like, uh... Okay, so yeah, we're like going to move show. on to our favorite moment yeah. in 2022. Uh, let's just talk about, like, our favorite uh, kind of stuff that happened this year. Uh, in Mine's super moment. pathetic. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's... It, 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 it... <laughs> It's not even because it's something that I did in a game myself. It's just that I was really happy that Miyazaki won for best game at the Game Awards. Like, you were there to hear my reaction, Josh. Like, I could not believe that he walked away with uh, Game of the Year. I had, I did not expect that. I did not see it coming. I was like, God of War is about to take this. And then really? I have, I, mm-hmm. b- d- he heard me, man. Like I yelled, I was like, are you kidding? What? Like I was shocked because it was God of Wars to win or lose. Actually, mm-hmm. it was God yeah. of Wars to lose. Um, it was winning everything. Everything. And yeah. that, al- that alone should have told us something about who was going to walk away with it. But I said it in the discord, man, like Miyazaki deserves to stand on that stage. I know he won for Sekiro, but to me, Sekiro is an entirely different game. It's not a Souls game. Like, it's it's very close, but Soulsborne games, to me, are, is something a little more, and I don't feel like they've ever had the recognition that they are owed. And the fact that Elden Ring won Game of the Year, and he got to stand up there and just kind of bask in that, and to tell us that, like, it's kind of just like, it's not even... The tip of the iceberg, you know, like there, there's still a lot in Miyazaki's arsenal. I know there is. He's a very creative man. Um, I, w- I was super stoked that he was able to stand up there and take that award. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that for you. Yeah, same. Um, I think actually Austin and mine are, are very similar. Um I completed my first FromSoft game this year. I beat Elden Ring. Um, did not think that I could fucking do it, and and I fucking did it. And then to top it all off, I went and fought what is arguably the hardest Souls FromSoft boss ever in Melania, and I fucking beat her too. And, like, that's a fucking achievement that I, I just... I'm I'm very proud of the fact that I can say that I I beat a FromSoft game. I'm even more proud of the fact that I could say that like not only did I beat a FromSoft game, but I fell so deeply in love with a FromSoft game that like mm-hmm. I I put hundreds of hours into it. I I it's so rare for me to to be able to do that. Like it's so incredibly rare for me to have time to dedicate to a game and for me to 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 do that and and to to do it when i i didn't have the confidence in myself that i could do it is yeah. i is i think one of those moments for me where i i i, I will i don't know i'll always kind of remember beating elden ring as, as lame as that fucking sounds. Mm-hmm. No, but it's, it's pretty incredible because you also got the platinum too. Yep. I platinumed it. Like, 
The fuck? Fuck that. <laughs> fuck all of that. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was my favorite moment this year too. Was I? And you know, it was funny while, while I was sick uh, the last few days. I was listening to some of the older episodes, uh, j- mostly just because I was fully caught up on Stiff Socks. But um, thanks, bud. <laughs> I'm joking. I actually did go out of my way just to listen to the older episodes because uh, I wanted to hear like you know some of our takes on like earlier this year games that were coming out and how we feel about them now. And one that I thought was really interesting on episode 52 that came out January 10th, all three of us were cracking jokes about how Elden Ring was the one game that year that I would not buy, and even if I did buy, I would not make it more than 30 minutes into it. Like, all three of us were saying that. And then I, I did it. And not only did I do it, but I put, like, over 100 hours into that fucking game. I lived and breathed that game for, like, two whole months. Like, I, I was so, like... I remember when I beat when I finally beat I, I, I was stuck on that fucking Elden Beast, I swear to God, for like five fucking days. It might have been even longer than that. Um but when I finally did it, I was just I was so proud of myself. I was like I told myself that I could do this and I told myself I was gonna do it and I did it. And I I was I was just so immeasurably proud of myself. This is the best year, man. I'm so happy that this is just a Souls-centric year. Honestly. God. GG. It was good shit, man. It was very good shit. Um, Yeah. Uh, So I was going to ask uh, if we wanted to do this for this episode, but I think we'll just save it for Game of the Year um, because we are getting uh, almost to the three-hour mark. Jesus Christ. Um, so, uh, my, I, I was going to say we should maybe, actually, you know what? There are three of us. So, well, no, we're caught off guard. Okay. We'll not, we'll not do this. We'll just, we'll save it for game of the year. You're giving me anxiety. Well, At least tell me what it is. Uh, I was going to have each of us kind of run through, um, maybe like, uh, I could talk about my favorite pieces of um, uh, motion media. picture media this year. Like, you know, because obviously, like, media is en- encompassing Show thing. several things. Oh, God, don't do this. But, I need to prepare for this. Well, I was going to, and I was going to say Austin could talk about his favorite uh, anime or manga. And then I don't know what the fuck you would talk about. Hey, thanks. Hiking trails. Thanks for keeping up with my hobbies. <laughs> well, no, you just, like, the things that I do know that you like, it, like, how do how I... How about favorite albums? Well, I was going to say that, but I don't, I don't know how many you listen to in a, in a given year. You know what I mean? Like, because I know that you listen to music, but I don't know if you keep up with, like, albums on a yearly basis. Does that, you know, does that make sense? It does. How about I will just, I'll pick something and I'll talk about it on the next time <laughs> that we do this. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I would just pick three anythings. I don't even... It might be three fucking rocks that I found on a hike this year, and I'll just tell you about them. Oh. Oh. Yep. I like that. Yep. Tell me about yep. those rocks. 
Yep. Get your rocks off, Daddy. Um, okay. <laughs> let's get to our fucking picks of the week and get out of here. Oh, we're actually doing it? Shit. Yeah, let's get to our picks of the week. Uh, my oh. pick of the week is a um, Super Eye Patch Wolf. Uh, Super Eye Patch Wolf is my favorite YouTuber, um, and he. Uh, made a video that came out five days ago about uh, one of my favorite things that I have experienced this year, and that is Chainsaw Man. Um, it's a very good video. I really like it. Uh, just go check it out. He's he's the best fucking YouTuber, so... Yeah. Yep. That's it. Hell yeah. Uh... My pick of the week is a new local Atlanta band called Spiritless. Um, I talked about them in the Discord today. Uh, they are... Uh, this is my best friend's band, and I am just super, super, super proud of him. And I love him very much, and I am so glad to see him finally uh, releasing new music. He took a little bit of a break because his last band started to kind of fall apart and just not be a very good space for him and i'm i'm very happy that he found this this outlet and he is getting his music back out there and i'm very excited to see what else comes sick uh mine's super simple said it earlier i didn't think we were doing a pick of the week (laughs) so that's why i said it then but uh neon white soundtrack please god give it a shot it'll be linked in whatever the fuck that josh wherever josh posts this it'll be linked in my pick of the week section um there's two parts to the soundtrack i'm linking the first part if you like it give the second one a listen it is fantastic and if you didn't know it just won our best soundtrack of the year so bada bing bada boom truly go listen to the tunes oh shit go go do things on hood that oh, yeah that dylan told you to do because yep he's master and commander Daddy. of this ship yep oh okay all right um well, with that all said, um, you you know the spiel. You can find us in all the places. I'm not even going to do it because it's, it's been a long day. It's been a long episode. Uh, but just just find us at all the usual stuff. And uh, it's in the show notes. I don't know. I'm tired. I'm very tired. It's been a long year. It's been a long day and a long year. Uh, let's get out of here, fellas. Let's do it. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with um, a whole new predictions episode. Woo woo! So, until then, goodbye.